Did you ever think you would make it? I feel I'm so close I could take sweet victory. I know this life meant for me. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Yeah, why would you bet on Goliath when we got bet David? Value payment, giving values contagious. This world of entrepreneurs, we get no value to hate it. How they run, homie, look what I become. I'm the, I'm the one. Okay, episode 356, Friday afternoon. Why Friday afternoon? Because I've been out of town for the last two days. And we literally just landed 30 minutes ago. We got in here, myself, Tom, and Vinny and Adam were already here, but we got here. Ready, ready to light it up. We got a lot of stories. A lot's happened. A lot of weird things going on. And we got some merch dropped today, a special one for a specific reason. You'll sit there wondering why I'm wearing purple and gold. I'll give you an idea here in a minute. But let's first go into some of the stories that we got going on. Border is a mess. Wait till you see who came through the border. Vinny showed me a video. This is all over the place now. And he flat out says, I cannot believe you don't know who I am. You will one day if you don't. You're going to see what I'm going to do. He's flat out telling the people that I'm crossing the border and what I'm going to do to your country. We'll show you that video. Charlemagne uh, said something about what America's all about on his podcast with Pierce. Uh, Vinny's got some commentary on that. We'll process that on racism. And America's known as a racist country is what Charlemagne says. We'll talk about that. And then a few other things in regards to videos that we have. couple stats. Nearly 40% of workers like their jobs enough to turn down a promotion. Think about this. 40% of workers... Like their job enough. By the way, there's an echo in the audio. Okay. Uh, uh, how how bad is it? With the... What's going to be fine, Jorge? So why are a thousand people saying there's echoes? Okay. All right. Okay. Back at it with the stories here. So nearly 40% of workers like their jobs enough to turn down a promotion. Okay. Think about the logic there. 
that 40% of people are willing to turn down their promotions. Most Gen Zs and millennials are financially dependent on their parents' new report that came out. Bank of America sends letters threatening disciplinary action to employees who aren't coming to the office. Train wreck earning call for Tesla. Tom's going to process that with you. The media is melting down to the point where neither billionaires nor journalists can seem to stop it. This is a New York Times and Hollywood Reporter story. We'll cover that. By the way, a bunch of people getting fired, a bunch of companies. L.A. Times having a hard time. Business Insider. eBay just announced their fires. Chaos, fury, and golf. L.A. Times in, the, uh, in cuts to newsroom. And then, again, we'll talk about some of that stuff. And a business story, how bosses can stop meeting after the meeting. Nikki Haley, this is a very, very interesting story, this one. 70% of Nikki Haley's New Hampshire voters are not registered Republicans. Think about that. 70% of Nikki Haley's New Hampshire voters were not Republicans. She's a Democrat. Okay, and I even, you know, I tweeted about this the other day on uh, on X about that, you know, she may have a better chance running as a Democrat than a Republican. Billionaire LinkedIn co-founder Reid Hoffman stops donating to Haley. A uh, bunch of things. Haley campaign lashes out at RNC. Ronna McDaniel over resolution to declare Trump presumptive GOP nominee. She's just not, she's having a hard time making friends with anybody right now. Left, right, center, establishment. The only ones that are loving her are Democrats, which may be a strategy for her long term. We'll talk about Michelle Obama. Rumors. And these rumors are not just any rumors. Wait till you hear what some people are saying, the fact that she may be running because they're running a poll to see if they can raise money or not. <laughs> Gen Z Americans are more likely, watch this, Gen Z, Gen Z Americans are more likely to be LGBTQ than Republican. Okay, They're more likely to be LGBTQ than Republican. Kamala Harris's show is the worst on TV, apparently. Greg Abbott in Texas, we got a bunch of things to talk about that. Oregon County dismantles a million-dollar diversity office to focus on merit. Stephen A. Smith says he wants to debate Trump. I had dinner with him two nights ago. I asked him about that. Maybe I'll give you some insight on what he said when we, oh, we have spoke. John Stewart to return to The Daily Show as part-time host. Vince McMahon accused of sex trafficking by WWE staffer. Mm. He paid to keep it. That was a very, very weird story that I read about. This next one I like because I agree with it. The danger of relying on anti anxiety drugs, and then El Salvador's murder rate, watch this, dropped 70% after arresting 1% of the population. It dropped 70% after arresting 1% of the population. Question is, is that a good thing or not a good thing? We'll talk about that. So let's get into some business stories here with the first one. Before, I'll give you guys the announcement here in a minute, but let's go into some business stories first. Nearly 40% of workers like their jobs enough to turn down a promotion. New report says, uh, pa, 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 where are we at here? Here we go. A recent Randstad work monitor report reveals that 39% of workers prefer not to be promoted. They're waiting for you. Hey, uh, do you have a what was that? Was that you? What's going on here today, guys? I, I think that was on me. Okay. My apologies. Right. No, no worries. Okay. So obsessed with the idea. Of, where am I now with the story? Let me do from the top. Nearly 40% of workers like their jobs enough to turn down a promotion. New reports is from inside. A recent Randstad work monitor report reveals that 40% of workers prefer not to be promoted because they generally enjoy their current jobs. Additionally, 34% have no desire to become managers, indicating a shift in career priorities. Uh, CEO Sander 
said uh, uh, suggests that motivation at work is evolving beyond promotions with a focus on work-life balance, flexibility, equity, and skill development, playing a oh my gosh, <laughs> a significant role in career decisions. <laughs> this this reflects change in attitudes towards career advancement. The study, which surveyed. 27,000 individuals across 34 markets aligns with emerging careers, trends such as prioritizing personal over personal life over work and hesitancy among young workers like Gen Z and millennials to assume managerial roles due to trust issues and senior leadership and concerns about work-life balance and the value of extra responsibility. Tom, thoughts on the story? I'm going to go off real hot with it real. Gen Z and millennials don't want to assume managerial roles due to trust issues and senior leadership because of Gen Z and millennials are not interested in accountability. They are not interested in that level of responsibility. And all of and that generation, oh, what a surprise, has this tendency to want to work only three days a week or work from home. None of that, none of the above lines up with what a company is going to want in a manager or a supervisor. Hey, we'd like you to manage this department. We'd like you to keep track of everything. Uh, Monday through Wednesday, half day Thursday. Uh, no, all week, actually all month, because it's your department now. We'd like you to keep track of it. And the Gen Zs and the millennials, not all of them. So don't hit the comments saying I'm, I'm slaughtering an entire, uh, you know, um, you know, uh, broad swath of America's uh, population. I'm not. There is just a tendency among them. They aren't looking for responsibility. And so guess what? They'd rather, they'd rather not do it. They'd rather not be the supervisor. They'd rather be three, four days a week, and they'd rather not have it. Well, there, there's something that when I do my show on the Salescast, I always ask ladies, like, what do you look for in a man? What do you look for in a guy? What's going on out there? And one of the biggest terms that I always hear from ladies is ambition. Mm-hmm. And there's something attractive about being ambitious. And this is more of a message to the men out there. But if you're just content and you're comfortable in your, in your job, that might be okay for a little while. But, you know, they say your comfort zone will kill you. Mm-hmm. And if you're just comfortable and you're just like, yeah, I like my job. It's fine. I'm just kind of doing my work-life balance thing. No big deal. Um, that's fine for now. That's fine for next year. But what's going to happen is there's going to come around the time where the company's not doing as good and they're going to have some job cuts. And they're going to say, oh, you know, uh, Bill over here, he's fine. He's okay. But is he, is he killing it? Does he have ambition? Is he really trying to lead the team? Is he doing all right? And what's going to happen is your comfort job, your comfort zone will kill you because you're going to be first on the chopping block when it's time to have downsizes. While people are hiring, it's, not, it's easy to not be exposed for doing your job. But when all of a sudden your company has 100 people and they're like, cut 25% of the staff. Okay, and we got to keep the 75 best people. If you're just comfortable and everything's kind of going okay, you know what's going to happen to you? Boom, cut. You're on the unemployment line. You're collecting unemployment. And now you're looking for another job to appease your work-life balance. I completely agree. And Adam, who are they going to ask to give them recommendations for the cuts? Managers. Yeah, of course. Hey, Adam, in your department, you got five people reporting to the accounting department. Yeah. Can you find us, uh, you know, one head count? We just sales them it down a little bit. And what does that manager do? Yeah, they just he, he, clearly he's picking. The, but here's what I will say. Yes, I'll give you a case example. He picks the three day a work guy who brings his dog to work. He's got to go yesterday. So, you know, not to put our business out there into the thing, but we always have some people that are excelling and see people that aren't excelling. Some people get promotions and some people are asked to leave. You know, Vinny, because we are dealing with like being on screen, doing the shows that we do. Yeah. We say things like, who's in charge over here? Yeah. Who's running the show who's over running here? running the show? Who's it like, all right, cool. Like we're the producers or executive producers. PBD's executive producer of his own show. I'm the producer of my own show. Yeah. But then we have people that are running the show. 
And I'll say, who's in charge? I said, by the way, who's the... And I'm not going to even try to put out things. I said, who's in charge of this department? Yeah. They're like, well, there's nobody in charge. I go, who would you say is the team captain? If shit, it's the fan. Who are we talking I said, who are we talking to? Like, well, we don't really have a team captain. You know what I said? Find a freaking team captain. We have to. Because someone's going to have to step up and be like, this is on me. And the captain is going to steer the ship. Yep. And if you're not the captain or if you're not listening to the captain or you're not following the orders, what's happening is when the ship starts basically having a hole in it and you're that guy that is so the exact opposite of the captain, they're going to say, yeah, go put him in a rowboat. He's done. Yeah. And Rob, what was the, Rob, can you go to the top of this? What was the, what was the title of this one? Was it the million forty uh, percent workers said the job didn't help? So it catch you a question to ask. Yeah. Where, where is this? Where is this coming from? Where is this attitude of this generation that is switching? Is it social media? Is it is it culture? What what is happening, Tom? I'll ask you, and then I want to ask him. Like what 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 made this shift happen, and why did it happen? It happened fast. I'll bro. tell you. I'll tell you my opinion. Okay, so I get this question all the time. By the way, on Manect, you can connect with us on Manect. By the way, and Vinny. Yes, yes, we can connect on Manect. But here's what I will say. The question that I always get asked from people and that I'm always consulting with people is the following. Should I focus on the money or focus on the passion? Mm -hmm. The passion or the money, okay? Now, what direction do you recommend that people go? Now, the easiest thing to do is picking the the place where they intersect. So, for instance, you knew you were going to be a comedian. You went all in. That was your passion. 100%. I know. But you'd made no money for many years. A long time. Tom, you're focused on the money, Right. But your money just so happens to be fundraising, helping people, business strategy, scaling. That's what your passion. But early in my career, I was still doing motorsports photography and I had a basic marketing job. So I had to make a decision to walk into a a line of responsibility. What was this motorsports photography thing? It's the first time I'm hearing about that. That was your passion? When I was in college, I was a motorsports photographer in Long Beach Grand Prix and a lot of uh, West Coast racetracks. I did that to make extra money and I kept doing that. And I said, maybe I'll do this. But I quickly discovered as I was about to get my marketing degree, yeah, you know, I think I better get serious about what I really do for yeah. a living. And then I found out that they wanted a team captain. Back then we called it, hey, could you be a team lead mm-hmm. for the uh, operations group? So I wasn't like a manager manager, but I made little reports. I did this and this is what this is what happened and this is what I got. And, you know, the story is talking about Gen Z's and um, millennials. And there's a story right next to it. The one right after. Most, right after yep. it about these same people. Or dependent on their parents. Yeah, where are they? Well, I'll say what I came through with the purpose and and, and the money is, here's what I'll tell you. If you follow the money and you work on the money, you can always double back in working on your passion, always. But if you follow your passion and you make no money, you're going to be 35, 40 years old, broke, but I followed my passion. It's a lot easier to make money and then come back and do your passion like pat always says the first 20 years of your life don't fuck it up the second 20 of years of your life make your money third 20 years of your life work on your passion fourth 20 years of your life give back so i think that's a great strategy to make money and then fulfill your purpose and your passion okay which stories have you guys covered so we, we hit the nearly the 40 percent of the workers and then yep. right under that pat was the most gen z and millennials are financially dependent on their parents that is insane. Mm-hmm. Vinny, you want to read that? Yeah, so a, a Pew Research Center study revealed that 54% of adults 18 to 34, primarily Gen Z and millennials, rely on their financial yeah, support from their parents. Jeez. Uh, in the 18 to 24 age group, over half uh, of them are dependent on parental help for basic household expenses. Uh, a Harris poll commissioned by uh, Daily Pay shows that only 25% of Gen Zers in the 18 to 24 range group can pay all their bills on time. 
uh, prompting many to opt out living with their parents and said rising levels of debt, particularly uh, from student loans, weird, uh, contribute to the financial dependence of Gen Z and millennials. Uh, among those age 18 to 34, approximately 45 percent are financially independent from their parents, factors such as delayed uh, in milestones and increasing costs of education and housing exacerbate these financial challenges. Bro, I have a major problem with this. Maybe I don't know if you want to start. Go for it. Uh, please, guys, stop grouping in millennials with Gen Z. They're totally different. Millennials are hitting 40 years old now. Yeah. I'm the oldest millennial. Vinny, you're not even millennial. I'm 45. You're Gen X. I, I'm okay. the absolute youngest boomer, statistically. Tom, I believe you. <laughs> um, PBD, you're Gen X. There's actually something called Zennial. But he, please, stop saying, oh, these young millennials and these Gen Z, they're totally different. Anyone who's a millennial is in their late 20s, early 30s, almost 40 now. If you don't have it figured out, that's a lot different from a 22-year-old Gen Z trying to figure it out. If a 22-year-old is still living with his parents, still working on their first job, still graduating college, not exactly having their shit figured out, that's okay. I didn't have my stuff figured out until I was 26 years old. But stop it with the 36-year-old still having their parents still pay their bills. What are you doing? Bro, what are you doing? You're not a kid anymore. Yeah. Major issue with lumping in the millennials and the Gen Z. 100%. I agree. Well, you can very much lump them in because you say, ladies and gentlemen, the tax base of tomorrow's America. Yeah. I get a a Manek the other day. And let me tell you what this Manek is. Guy asks a question. He says, I'm married. He's 31. I got three kids. Uh, my wife makes three times the amount of income I make. He's probably listening. Nice mm. guy. And, you know, he's making 40. His wife makes 120. And he says, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm being uh, encouraged to get, get into insurance. But do you think there's a way I can make a lot of money working nine to five selling insurance? I said, first of all, uh, nobody is home nine to five. People have a job. They go to work and they have a job. If you want to sell insurance... The time where people are home to sell insurance is when? After 6 o'clock. Yep. That's why the average insurance salesperson works from what time to what time? 6 to midnight when people are home. It is a very, very hard job. And then another person asks and says, "Why? Well, but, but, but I, I want to be – what can I do to have the balance of my life and I want to make a half a million dollar year income? I said, bro, like who, what, what did teachers teach you guys in high school? When you, when you go to college or teacher, what are these people telling you? Are they telling you, like, you can make a half a million dollar your income working nine to five and just going out there and someone's going to pay you that kind of income? Like, what do you think happens with life? Yesterday, I'm having dinner with Dana. Dana said one of the best things. He says, you know, all these people that are like, yeah, I want to go be a business owner because I want to have control of my time and I want to have quality of life and balance. Bullshit. When you work for yourself, dude, you don't have a life when you work for yourself. You're working seven days a week, taking calls on Sundays, Saturday nights, you're at dinner, you have to step away and get away. Well, that's why I don't want that kind of a life. That's why you don't have that kind of a life. So what you have to do is for some of these guys, when you're looking at what direction we're going with Gen Z's and millennials and some of them saying, well, I don't want to have any kids. You know, what matters more to me is work-life balance. Perfect. I had a girl I hired 20 years ago, uh, 15 years ago. It was all about work-life balance and all this stuff. And she ends up getting married with this one guy. Loves the guy. You know what happens 15 years later? The guy's like, I don't want to have any kids. Oh, God. I don't want to have any kids. And she's like, wait, all these years we've been together, you don't want, I never wanted to have kids. Jeez. Now she's 33, 34, 35. Now she wants to have kids. Mm-hmm. Now she has to go out there and get started. You know what happens for these guys that are going through this? All of this bullshit stuff that people are saying because 
the next generation values work-life balance more. No, every generation, when they're younger, they don't want to work their asses off. They want to club on Friday nights. They want to party on Saturday. They want to go out. They want to have their blast. They want to do their things. And then they get that out of their system. They're like, now I want to focus on my career. Very few people early on in their lives want to light it up and go win at the highest level. Why do I say this? We, as consumers of this content, are delusional to believe majority of Gen Zs are ambitious enough to go do something big. You know what typically happens with life? There's two words, intention, intentional, accidental, and by force. Let me explain it to you. Intentional is the obvious one. Accidental is the one we'll talk about, and then there's force. Intentional. You know what? Yeah, I'd like to lose some weight, but you know, it is what it is. It's cool. I like to stop drinking soda. I kind of know I don't need to eat sugar. I eat too much sugar. If I drop the sugar, I'm going to lose 20 pounds. But, you know, it's like, it's whatever. You know, I'll, I'll get to it. Accidental is you accidentally land in an environment that everyone around you focuses on their health. So what do you do? You're like, dude, this is, I'm focused on my health. Why? Because accidentally you got lucky and you're in a great environment. We've all been there before. We're like, dude, I just picked two, three good friends. I'm in a great circle. These guys are killers. Accidentally, you get lucky. But you know what force is? Here's what force is. Force is you all of a sudden go to the doctor. Your blood pressure is high. Doctor says we have to go into the emergency room. They realize it's pretty bad. You have a major issue happens with your health. Something bad happens in your life. You lose a loved one, mom dies, dad dies, sibling dies, uncle dies, your best friend dies, then reality checks, and then you're forced to change. These Gen Zs that are in this category, they're eventually going to be forced to change. They're going to be forced to change. They're not going to be intentionally changing. They're not going to be accidentally changing. Life will eventually force you to change. When you have kids, uh, I remember a lot of times we would be like, yeah, there's no way in the world I can get away with, I, need, I'm, I know my health, Vinny, I need at least nine hours of sleep yeah. because I know my body. Really? Go have a kid. <laughs> Go ahead, bro. Go have a kid. Yeah. Go have a kid and see what you'll realize. How, how many of you guys are listening to this, folks? If you're listening to this, you got kids. How many of you have gone to work? Be honest. How many of you have gone to work on two hours of sleep? How many of you? How many of you have gone to work with no sleep? Your kid has got snot all over your face. You're sick as a dog. You don't have a choice. You don't have somebody to take care of you. Everybody in the house is sick. You still got to get to work to make the money to pay your bills, and you still have to take care of your kids, and you didn't get any sleep. You know what the body tells you? You're capable of more, but that's because of force. Mm -hmm. Your kids are now forcing you to change. Life is forcing you to change. These Gen Z guys, they're going to go through this process that they're going to go through, and all of a sudden they're going to be like, holy shit, yep. now I have to change. You can either choose to change and have to change. Unfortunately, 90%, maybe 95% of the world is going to be part of the force to change. Only 5% is going to be part of the choosing to change, and that's how the market works, period. We can talk about these generations all they want about how much they're bitching. They want work-life balance. Wait till they're 35. They'll make better choices. Yeah, and you know what I don't like about that? It's in, that in that title, too, where it says millennial, they're financially dependent on their parents. What's up with those parents? What kind of parent? I know yours wouldn't. I know yours wouldn't. I know yours didn't. What type of parent is, is sitting there paying for their kid at 36 years old? 
being dependent on this kid, and they're probably struggling themselves. That parent, needs, yo, bro, at 18, my mom and dad were like, oh, guys, all three of us, get by yeah. military, by all three, because you all graduated one year at a time. 36 years old, you're chilling over there, and your mommy and daddy are paying your bills. It, oh, it falls on you, ultimately, but what kind of parent lets their kid just keep giving them money until 36, and then they're like, okay, now you have to go and, and, and face the real world. They're not going to be ready for it, bro. The parent has some type of role in this as well. Yeah, yeah they do. It's called entitlement. The parents set them up in entitlement. I don't need to go any deeper into this topic. I love Pat's uh, summation. Intentional, accidental by force. Mm-hmm. We see ex- I see examples of it in my family, my extended family, and it, that's what that's what it it is. They, they're, they're all going to have to be by force. You know, oh, I'm out of a job. My parents have passed away. There is no couch at your parents' house because your parents' house has been sold because they passed away. Now what, dude? Wow. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I mean, by the way, check this out. This goes to the next story. Bank of America uh, sends letters threatening disciplinary action to employees who aren't coming to the office. Why are you sending those letters, B of A? <laughs> Why are you doing that? I thought you were about people working from home. Why are you upset now? This was your choice at one point, wasn't it? Why are you all of a sudden un, you know, frustrated with these guys? Wall Street continues to crack down on workers who are reluctant to return to the office. In its latest effort to hurt its employees back to the office, Bank of America has been sending out warning letters. It's calling letters of education to those who haven't been turning uh, up for work. Failure to follow the workplace excellence expectation app- uh, applicable to your role within two weeks of the date of this notification may result in further disciplinary action. What does that mean? Why can't you just say getting fired, right? It's done. Read one letter of education that was sent to Financial Times. Since October of 2022, Bank of America has been requiring majority of its employees to come into the office at least three days a week. Those in more client-facing roles, such as investment banking and sales and trading, have been asked to come to the office five days a week. So here's the problem with this, and then I'll come to you, Tom. The moment, this is kind of how life works. One of the hardest things to do, is after you lower the standards to the people you're leading to choose to raise it all of a sudden. You lower the standards on a group of people you're leading, and then all of a sudden you're like, no, no, now we want to raise it. No, no, listen, we missed the low standards. Let us chill. Let us kick back. Let us stay home. Let us work from home and not have to come over here. What are you doing? Why are you doing this to us now? The moment you drop the standards, later on to raise the standards, the the people are not going to respond well to it because they're accustomed to Low standards. They knew you were capable of low standards. They knew you were capable of being okay with them working from home. And some of these guys are like, well, what did you want me to do? COVID had us shut down. They forced us to do this. They forced us to do that. Yes, COVID and working from home lowered the standards for many, many, many companies and industries. But a lot of companies didn't break and didn't bend. And they said, no, you're working from the office. Those who do either lost to those people to the companies like this that they're working or they kept the culture. It's not an easy thing to do to bring people back from low standards to high standards. Tom. Yeah, it looks like marketing has invaded the HR group at uh, Bank of America. Failure to follow the, here it comes, workplace excellence expectations. What the hell? It, 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 to Pat's point, you're, they're not even speaking clearly. That's called return to office. Return to office so we can work together, we can have culture here, and we can serve our clients. Those in more client-facing roles, such as investment banking, have been asked to come in five days a week. Of course they are, because the customers are there. So when you lower your expectations on your employees, and then you come back, and now you're trying to put it all in this flowery type, you need to just come back and say this, look, guys, the government forced us to do it, and we made some choices. 
All of that is behind us now. We are back to five days in the office. You are going to be around your coworkers. You're going to build culture. We're going to serve our customers. And that's where we're going. You have to be brutally honest and, and handle it that way. All these things that we worry about feelings and everything like this. Look at it this way. You have a heart attack. Your doctor's looking at you. You have pretty big feelings about this. Do you want him to say, well, it's a little of this, it's a little of that? Or do you want him to say this? You dodged a bullet, but I think you're going to be okay. Drop 50 pounds, get the cholesterol down, and you've got a shot of living long enough to see your grandkids get married. That's the brutal honesty you want. But we go into the workplace and we don't speak like that. We fluff it up and everything like that while we're trying to raise a standard. You're going to have a hell of a hard time raising a standard when you're trying to talk in this fluffy language. I mostly agree with you guys, but, you know, I have to point out maybe some some leaks in the argument, Tom. So the Bank of America warns return to office laggards with return to education. So laggards, we've seen the stocks that are lagging. Um, you know, uh, not fulfilling their expectations. But a lot of this is nuance. Why? Because there is a difference between salaried employees and commissioned employees and the sales guys. So salaried people, you know, have very little leverage. So if you're not bringing in commissions and making money for the company, so what's it? Who are the people that they said that they are encouraging to come to the office, Tom? The investment banking and sales and trading guys. Listen, let me tell you, those guys are the money makers. So if they're saying, listen, I'm coming in the office three days a week. I generate $10 million a year for the company. Uh, yeah, uh, I have leverage here. I'm just going to stay in my house in the Hamptons a couple days a week while you guys do your thing in the city. The bigger you are, you obviously they know that they're on Wall Street. They're in, a lot of these guys who are working in the city every, every day for years and years and years have places in the Hamptons and the Wall Street world. They have what is known as leverage. So some of the guys have more leverage than others. So the blanket statement of like, you have to come in and you have to come in. I'm sure these situations are unique and individual because some of them have more leverage and ultimately more pull than others. That's the only nuance that I would add to you're talk, that. You're talking from your point of view. You're assuming most of these guys are bankers that they're talking about. These are not uh, like, for example, the reason why I said like yourself, you, you, you've been with the same company for how long? 15 years now? 17 years. 17 yeah. years. You perform, you do your part, but you're a wholesaler. Yeah. A wholesaler is never required to be in any office. Mm -hmm. Any wholesaler for AIG, Nationwide, any insurance company, none of them work out of the office. Mm -hmm. They all work from a home because they're always on the road. This is employees. Come to the office. Come get to work. Come do your thing. And we've realized the last three years, four years, companies who went to work from home, it didn't work. Very simple. I know a lot of people want to say, yes, it does. Yes, it does with engineers and coders. Yes, it does maybe for a few different things, but whoever's working from home will always be less effective than somebody that's working from the office. For those of you that fully disagree with me, there's 30% of you that do. Okay, and you're like, Pat, this is the part I disagree with you. Do. I'm very comfortable with you disagreeing with me. I'm telling you, you have way more distractions. That, and people will say things like, well, I have more distractions at work. People are always talking to me. No, you have your fridge. You have your bed. You have Netflix. You have TV. You have friends coming over, you have your dogs, you have your kids, you have your cats, you have your neighbors, you have people knocking on your doors. You have way more distractions than anybody else at the office. And thank God for companies promoting people more who are at the office than working from home. Keep working from home. You won't get promotions. Work from the office, you get a promotion. If you're a Gen Z, you don't want a promotion anyway, so don't worry about it. <laughs> Do your thing. You know, work from Starbucks if you want yeah. to. But the market wants you to come back to the office and work. Okay, let's go to the next story. Um, what story we got here? Which one do we want to go to? Let's go to the 
if we're on Gen Z, do we want to keep going Gen Z or do we want to change it up? Why don't we change it up? Gen Z's been getting knocked around a little bit. Let's change it up to somebody you to else. Talk, you want to go into our friend? No, let's okay. first go to a little bit of business, to Media Meltdown. Mm-hmm. Check this out. Media Meltdown, and neither billionaires nor journalists can stop it. This is Hollywood Reporter, page five, if you want to go to it. The media business is facing a crisis unlike, unlike anything since 2008 financial mess. With layoffs and cost-cutting at every turn impacting major publishers like WAPO, LA Times, Time, Condé Nast, Sports Illustrated. Oh, my God. Sports Illustrated is going through a mess right now. Business Insider, New York Daily News, National Geographic, Baltimore Sun. Billionaire acquisitions included Bezos buying $250 million purchase at the WAPO in 2013. Chris Hughes' ownership of the News Republic and Pierre Omidyar's first-look media venture have largely flattered with many of them shedding staff or experiencing financial difficulties. Even private equity ownership has not been successful in rescuing media companies, as evidenced by staff walkouts at New York Daily News, layoffs at Forbes, and layoffs at Business Insider, which is owned by KKR-backed Axel Springer. And by the way, I can give you a couple other stories here with what's going on with these other guys. But, Tom, I'll pause there. Tom, is there any saving with these media brands, is it done done? Are we at a phase right now where some of these guys are sitting there saying, dude, I don't want to be a journalist for you. My name is Barry Weiss. I'm going to go start a Substack, and I'm going to write myself, and I'm going to make a half a million dollars as, as a writer. My name is Glenn Greenwald. I don't need to be a writer for you. I'm going to go do it myself. Mm-hmm. Is it that ugly where the only writers left at WAPO, at New York Times, at these companies, are the ones that need the job because they're not good writers. What do you think? I, I think there's some of that, absolutely, for sure. And I think you also look between the lines here. I don't like necessarily their uh, their ethos or what they stand for, but the New York Times has done the best job, and the Wall Street Journal have done the best job going back 10 years managing the digital conversion. We've gone from print to digital. And the, the stories you put out on digital have to be interesting enough that someone is willing to pay a small subscription for it. The New York Times has figured it out and the Wall Street Journal has figured it out. Everyone else that waited or didn't figure it out or put up a paywall late and the, or doesn't have anything interesting behind the paywall, they're dying. We just saw the, the walkouts that happened. Uh, yeah, and by, and by the way, it, it cracks me up. We're about to lay off people. Well, then we're staging a walkout. And I'll say, Fred, can you look out the window and tell me who exactly walked out? Why? It's just going to make it easier to choose who's laid off because the ones that are still inside here that are actually working, we're going to keep them. But I think it's exactly what you said. Glenn Greenwald saw the writing on the wall. He went out to Substack, and look what he's got going now. There are writers like that that are great and gifted and good investigators, and they found a way to put themselves out there, their own byline. And then you've got the Wall Street Journal and The New York Times getting it right. Everybody else has screwed this thing. This is a digital conversion, what they're facing, along with the price of ads, and they've screwed it up, and they're suffering the consequences, and this is what's happening. Let me, let me this ask is the This is the fallout. Question, question that I asked last night during dinner. I'm sure you remember this question is. So if, if we're able to buy, Rob, can you pull up uh, uh, Sports Illustrated uh, was bought for how much? If you just pull up Sports Illustrated was purchased for how much? Sports Illustrated was purchased for... Hundred and ten million. What year? Uh, five years ago. Five years ago. Five years ago for hundred and ten million. By the way, you know what it's probably worth today? Forty million. Yeah, wow. If the that. other way around. If and, that. And that was an and, overpay. And, and do you know why? Go go type in Sports Illustrated uh, swimsuit edition cover. Go oh, type in Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition cover. What year? This year? Just just type okay. in that and go to images and see what comes up. 
By the way, viewer just discretion go to cover. is advised. No, go. Well, you uh, gotta see the recent covers because they've changed exponentially yeah, to what they ones. were a few years ago. You, what do you want? What's what's the right word to put? Big girl. Twenty twenty four. Twenty twenty four. Yeah. Voluptuous. What's the what's the plus know. size? Ashley Graham plus size. There. Plus size. Meti plus size. I see where you're plus going size. with this, Pat. And I have some yeah. commentary. But, but I mean, first they put a guy on it yeah. on the cover. Okay, look at yeah. that. That's Pretty not sure. sexy, guys. Yeah. I mean, listen, we can sit here and listen. I have friends. I had a guy back in the day, Speedy Espinosa, my roommate. He only liked girls over 250 pounds. Mm -hmm. But he was the only one that liked them over 250 pounds. Now, you may have a couple friends yourself as well. Great. No. Look, let, 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 me, Claude, Claude. Let, let, me, let me put it to you this way. Let me put it to you this way. Watch this. My body right now wouldn't cut it to be on any magazine. I don't belong on a cover of a magazine if you want to show off my body. Don't feel bad for me. I'm not in the best shape of my life. Your body, you can be on a cover of a magazine. And I'm, by the way, I'm, being, I'm, not, I'm not saying this because Vinny is, you know, a guy I love and his family. It's because you're the best in shape guy in this entire building. Yeah. Other than no Tom. No one is in better shape than you. You deserve to be on a cover magazine, not me. My feelings doesn't need to get hurt. Yeah. Why I, I eat more sugar than you do. Yeah. You don't eat sugar as much as I do. You don't you're more disciplined than I am when it comes down to working out. You deserve to be on a cover like this, right? We have come into this mode that People are worried about my feelings or other people's feelings. So let's make everybody happy. No, a brand that was known as the brand that we would buy where Michael Jordan was on the cover. And you're like, oh, my God, Kobe's on. The, who's going to make it on the cover? It's who's on the, LeBron James coming out of high school. He's going to be the next king. He's going to Sportsman of the year sport. was a huge are honor. Are you kidding me now? It's like, you know, everything changed with Sports Illustrated, right? Rob, go type in L.A. Times. I'm still going to my question for, with you. What was L.A. Times sold for? I think it was $550 million. Wow. It may be less than that, but $500 million. Okay. To Peter Soong Jiong, something like that, I think his name is. Chinese company? Yeah. So watch this, $500 million. When, what year was this sold? Can you click on that article, see when it was sold for $500 million? Oh, they're laying it off now. You won't find it out there. This was probably six years ago. Okay. You know what LA Times probably worth today? Less. $250 million. Half? So, Tom, so here's a question. If we can buy L.A. Times today for $200 million, should we do it? I don't think so. I think you're trying to catch a falling knife yep. at that price. I think that there's, there's great. So the question is, are there great publications in here or are there great brands in here? And I think there's some great brands that are still in here that might have some residual value. But um, the L.A. Times, man, you know, you, you'd have to take that and do, and do digital as well as the New York Times did. And um, I think it would be tough. I think it would be tough. I'll give you a little insight here. So there's three terms that come to mind with, with everything that's going on here, and that those words are uh, trust, truth, and credibility. What do I mean? There's something that's constant. There's something that's changing. What has changed in the media industry over the last decade or two? Everything has gone from paper to digital. That was the whole rush. Oh, we got to get to digital. We got to get to digital. There's no, who, who gets the paper anymore? I read the Wall Street Journal every day on my phone. I mean, how many, like, you occasionally get the paper. A lot harder to do with that. How many times are we just forwarding articles digital? Digital, yep. the way of the world has gone digital. But what has not changed is the trust factor. What has not changed is the trust factor. What we just saw the other day, your, your friend posted this, Bill, um, Bill Maher. He said, who are the most trusted media personalities in the world? Look where they're located. Media personalities. They didn't say journalists. Callie? Number one, not physically located, oh. but number one was Bill Maher. Right behind him was Joe Rogan. Right behind him was Tucker. And right behind him was Jake Tapper. What does that mean? Three out of the four are not on typical legacy media. 
Bill Maher's on HBO, and he kind of has a little thing with with um, CNN, his overtime thing that he's got. But he does the Club Random, which you're familiar with. He does that. He's online. He's on YouTube. He's not exactly establishment per se. Joe Rogan is 0% establishment. He's the biggest podcaster in the world. Second most trusted. Third, Tucker, that was establishment. Is anybody that's been at more at war with the establishment in the news media game than Tucker over the last 12 months? Nobody. And then fourth, Jake Tapper, because he's pretty much the one guy on CNN. People are like, all right, he's got some credibility here. He's not as biased as everybody. So what's happened is the, the game has changed. It's gone from print to, to digital. That's not breaking news. But what is changing is who people trust and who, are, who they're willing to have credibility in. It's the reason why disruptive podcasts are getting so many views these days because people are saying, look, I don't know if these guys are right or wrong, but at least trust them to try to find out the truth. Veritas is what people are going for. So legacy media, a lot of these institutions we talked about were actual papers. Do you think, do you think the right person can buy an L.A. Times? And win digital and make it valuable later on. Do you Only think somebody can buy a Sports Illustrated, a WAPO, a LA Times, and a, a Forbes, a Fortune, and still make it win? Not if they're doing the exact same business models they've always done. They have to change and evolve. Meaning, if the LA Times, and I know nothing about the LA Times because I'm a Miami Herald guy. But I listen to the Herald. I watch the Herald. But they're almost like a dying newspaper. And I love the Herald. They have to evolve. All these – I don't want to give these guys any ideas, but the LA Times needs to have a badass podcast associated with it. Just like the Miami Herald should have a badass podcast and disruptive and videos and like that. That's what's going on. If you just still print your paper from your typical journalist thing, you're, you're I, dead. I, I think if somebody bought it, Pat, they'd have to literally come out the gate with something strong and say, listen – we're not the old. This is the brand new. This is how, like, like we're talking about the Miss Universe thing. Somebody has to come out and punch them in the face to get all those people that have lost the trust because of the credibility, because all these, they're all like, they're not reporters. They're not journalists anymore. They're, they're shills for they're activists. For, they're activists for a political party. I Both just, sides. I just, for, I get it. I just want somebody to give me the, give me the facts. We'll, we'll spill it out. You guys make your own decisions. After, I don't want somebody going, this is good, this is bad, and if you don't believe in it, then you're the bad person. That's why I don't like But it had to, to be something monumental for me to, to, to purchase something like that. My short answer is yes. The right person could buy it with strategy, clean up what they've got, and move it forward. Now, there are case studies in American history. Harley-Davidson went through a great brand. We can all agree there are people that buy Harley-Davidson apparel that have never sat on a Harley-Davidson motorcycle. Harley-Davidson has been has gone through two cycles where the right owner and the right strategy revitalized the company. And I think somebody could buy these at the right price and take advantage. There's a lot of people like me that still have a lot of, not nostalgia, but a lot of trust in some of these media brands if they were being led. So my short answer is yes, somebody could do it and focus on it and lead through it. You've seen it happen. Uh, well, LA Times, I know I've driven by the LA Times with you. And every time we drive by, you're like, see this plane over here? We could have bought this. This is something. It was Chinese bought this, whatever. Uh, New York Times, Washington Post, New York Post, even. I feel this is me, not an LA guy. I don't know. I feel like those, especially Wall Street Journal, have way more credibility than the LA Times. I don't know anybody, especially on the East Coast, that's like, you see what they said in the LA Times? Zero. I don't know. Maybe it's just a lack of no, credibility. Right. Who's, the, who's the group that said Bill Maher is the most trusted? Let's find that. He posted it. 
Oh, he, he, he posted, posted it? it. Bill Maher posted it. Yeah. He po- if so. he's in, the, he's in the top three most but, trusted in news. There that, it is, right there. That, that poll is who did he get that poll? WPA Intelligence. What the hell is that? That's Wapo well, he's, well, he's on the top. That's my point. There's but, no. But, but it was, who is it was, WPA Intelligence though? Who are those yeah. guys? WPA Associated. What the hell? Is that? He posted it, guys. Yeah. So I'm going on no, what believe, Bill Maher posted. No, I'm asking you, what is yeah. WPA? I don't know. Let's find out. That's the, that's the question I got. It says in God we trust. But that might be a fake thing because there's no way he's number one. <laughs> trust. Okay, so so that means uh, you don't believe that Joe Rogan's number two. I think if if I there's or no Tucker's way number three. I would put Tucker way in front of. Bill Maher. Bill Maher wouldn't even be in my top five for trust people to trust about the news. The same guy that told us Russia, Russia, Russia. The same guy that tried to make everybody believe that Trump was a, a, a Hitler bad man. Get out of here, bro. There's so no way. You, you, know, you know what is a thing to, to, to realize who to trust and who not to trust? This was, again, a conversation we had yesterday. But um, mm-hmm. this is a very, very interesting point to think. So um, who do you think wants the world to be a better place a person who's got kids or a person that doesn't have kids 100 percent the people that have kids okay so who do you think uh wants the the cares more about uh, uh future looks bright and making sure security military is good you know so no one can attack us and we have a stronger military people who have kids or people who don't have kids. family kids for sure okay this continues right you have to, out of those three names, one of them doesn't have any kids, has never been married, doesn't believe in God, and he's just kind of like about himself. He's made all these choices he's made is about himself. Now, don't get me wrong. I've retweeted Bill Maher's stuff a lot, and I think he's been one of the most necessary voices the last three years because he was another guy that was forced to take the vaccine, and he took one for the team, and he didn't want to take it. He did not want to take the jab. But mm-hmm. whenever we're looking at how people... Uh, support a position or not, and whatever they're screaming off the top of their lungs, always ask them how this hurts them or how this helps them. When I was coming up and I'm building my insurance practice, I always had an easier time working with people that were married with kids more than working with single guys. Because single guys almost always made the selfish decision. Almost always. But the married guys made fewer selfish decisions. The married guys had to get to work and keep their word because they're not doing it for you. They're doing it for their wife and their three kids. There was a certain level of stability. They're not, listen, I don't mean to offend you guys. You guys are saying, I'm not talking about you guys. I don't want you to be heartbroken. You know, if you, uh, Rob, can you give some tissue to I'm him? Crying. Because, I'm yeah, crying. I'm crying. Yeah, you actually have a great don't point put the here. Camera, don't put the camera on Adam. He's getting <laughs> emotional. Yeah. But, but, the, but the point is, you know, you know as a, do you think we're ready as, as America to have a single president? Would you want your president to be single with no kids not married? No. no. Why not? I don't think they have a full life perspective. That's the point, yeah. right? So we have to also know when some people are like, I don't care about this, and I don't care about that, and I don't care about kids, and I don't care about that. Yeah, we, of course you don't. 95% of the world and 90% of the world has kids and cares about their family and the future. Whoever this creator was, I know who mine is, who I'm betting on. If I'm going to be right or wrong, I'll know when I die. But whoever this creator was, whatever way they created it, there's a reason why we can procreate. Why? You become a better person to society when you have kids. You literally overnight become better for society by having a kid. When I tell you overnight, overnight. Because instantly, the day before your kid is born, you're willing to make 
80 decisions that you don't really give a shit about because it's only going to impact you, okay? And you're like, I don't care what happens to the other person. No, no, no. The moment you have kids, you're in two different places for the rest of your life. You will never be in one place. I'm never in one place. Mm -hmm. I am always in five different places. Always. If you're a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm in five different places. I'm wondering where my Tico is, where Dylan is, where Senna is, where Brooklyn is. What are they doing? Where's this person? Who's with them? All this stuff. And I know Jenna's an adult, so she's doing her thing, but she's probably with one of the kids. But I'm always with four different places with these kids. Your brain works that way. You become better for company, better for business, better for community, better for safety, better for crime, better for finances, better for every single thing. Everything becomes better, right? Everything. So when we're sitting there looking at the list on Bill Maher and Rogan and all these other guys, you know, you have to kind of put some context there to realize that what not everybody who is, I understand the part about liking what Bill Maher does. Mm -hmm. I think Bill Maher is coming from a place of calling out the left and the right, which is awesome. Got to love that. You also have to realize there's a lot of policies in America that have nothing to do with him that he literally doesn't give a shit about those policies because it doesn't directly impact him. And you as the listener has to know that what you have as a concern, he does not have as your concern. So he's going to be like, that's not something I really care too much about. I'm going to go a different direction. You bring up a great point there. By the way, this wasn't even my point. This was a point that was brought up by somebody else that we talked about last night. I'm bringing it up. I just don't want to mention the name because I don't want that person to know that others know he said it. But go ahead, Tom. Totally, totally yeah. understand. Uh, and, and I was not going to name that twice. Of course, yeah. I'm sorry. Um, there's a saying um, in, um, when it comes to shipwrecks and it comes to tragedies, and it's women and children first. And the saying, I'm sure people have heard it, women and children first. Why do they say that? Because it means that the men on that ship are really to sacrifice themselves today so that the generation can live tomorrow. And that's exactly where it comes from, women and children first. And so you can't have that perspective until you have kids. The day you have a kid, you are willing to die for that person. It's an amazing feeling, and it's a stronger feeling than you have for your spouse. But once you're married, you're, you're, you're willing to really take one for the team for, for her, for your spouse. But once you have a child, it is an elevated sense. And you say, I will sacrifice today for this generation tomorrow. So I fully agree with you, PBD. I fully agree with you. And I'm a single guy, no kids, and I will be fully transparent that you have the ability to be way more selfish when you don't have kids. I see the sacrifice you put in just before the podcast. More than anything, you're talking to Jen about, all right, cool, where, where's Tico going? Where's Dylan going? Well, Santa's going to go play tennis is what we got going on. Pat, uh, Tom, every night he's talking about his girls. We got one million percent, one million percent. And uh, just to verify this, I probably listen to Bill Maher more than anyone on the list. I listen to Rogan, no doubt. I listen to Tucker for sure. Sometimes I listen to Tapper. But every Saturday I watch Bill Maher's episode because he's got great takes. But if you ask me right now if I would change places in life with any of those four people for the rest of my life, Bill Maher's last on my list. Yeah, He's 68 years old. He's a known commodity. He's worth $200 million. To me, I'd rather be worth $1 million and have a family and have love my life and be with my kids than have $200 million and have nothing. And in terms of leadership, I fully agree. And so people are going to be like, well, what do you even have kids? How can you say this? But I want to have kids. I know what my plan is. I know what my purpose is. The reason that I'm working my ass off right now is that when I do have a family and do have kids, I have money and I have success and I'm not doing that on the way up. You know, the last, you talk about leadership. 
and accountability. You know the last U.S. president that was never married, no kids? James Buchanan in 1857 to 1861, right before the Civil War. I'm not saying that that's a, you know, a reason or anything like that, but homeboy was not married, didn't have any kids. We saw what just happened with our good friend, uh, Andrew Cuomo in New York, not married, just single, bachelor, has governor. Has kids, though. Has dogs. Okay, he has got kids. I'm, I'm just saying, but like, if you're just a single dude and you can be selfish, there's going to be opportunities for you to make the wrong decisions. That's all I'm saying. So, yeah. Uh, I fully agree that if uh, someone that has kids, PBD, you're way more selfless and you're going to be thinking about a million different things at a different lens than someone without kids. Wow. It's, uh, it's, it's why you choose. And by the way, one of the other things that also kids and marriage does is it keeps you occupied. When you have some, sometimes way, 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 way too much time on your hands, you're also making the people around you a little bit too going crazy. I don't know if that makes sense. Sometimes you need to be preoccupied with other things as well, so you're kind of doing your own thing. Mm-hmm. If you don't say, hey, mom, what do you know? What does a mom do when she has nothing to do with grandkids, no kids, nobody around, always calling kids all the time? Or oh, yeah. Or here's or something. Why is that? Because you're not preoccupied with a man, with kids, with grandkids, to kind of have some purpose that you got in your life. Mm-hmm. Married people with kids are better for society than single people with no kids. It's a fact. Uh, to, to advance a society. Yeah? Again, my opinion. You can be upset and disagree with me. This is 100%. What I believe in. Anyways, let me tell you guys a quick thing we're doing here today that uh, uh, I wasn't going to do, but now I'm going to do it anyways for, for you guys to know about. Do you know what happened four years ago today? Does anybody know what happened four years ago today? Four years ago today, um, Kobe Bryant passed away, okay? When Kobe Bryant passed away, I remember when I did an interview with him, everybody remembers where they were at, and everybody remembers where they were at. I was at Seasons 52 when that took place. I was with family and Dylan sitting next to me, CNN reports. You know, Kobe Bryant, I'm like, wait, what? And so, boy, you got to be kidding me. No, is this serious? This can't be real. This is like the guy from Fast and the Furious. This can't be real. This is a spoof. They're playing a joke. No, it's real. And it happened. Fast forward to today. uh, The world stopped when that happened four years ago. And I sat down with him doing an interview with him the way he was with Tico, Dylan, you know, the kids, Jen, talking to Jen for 15 minutes, talking to Dylan for 15 minutes. So here's what we're doing today. This is the... The, the edition that just came out today, limited edition. This is a signature series. Future looks bright, bright, purple and gold. And we are dedicating this to the man, the myth, the legend, uh, Mamba Mentality. Uh, Future looks bright, hat that was just released. Uh, there'll be limited amount of these for you, but here's what we're doing. For, that's the QR code for you to go buy. If you buy the hat, the Future looks bright hat that we just dropped with the shirt, Future looks bright. And you add another hat of your choice that you want. Any of those other colors you see, they're white, black, red, and uh, the military camouflage one. Uh, you will get the second hat for free, and, but you have to order the purple and gold hat, the Future Looks Bright shirt, and then you'll get an additional hat. But make sure you put the promo code PBD Podcast. Mm-hmm. Here's why. Everywhere I go, everybody I talk to, you, you talk about how worried, concerned, afraid people are. Okay, The enemy hates it. When there's a group of people that believe future looks bright, I guarantee you at your workplace, with your family, with your peers, the more people say future looks bright, temperature goes lower. The more leaders are confident that the future looks bright, the temperature goes lower. So if you are somebody that's a diehard valuetainer, you follow the podcast, you're a creator, you're a guy that's a freedom fighter, you're a person that's a free thinker, you like debate, you like the style of what we do. Go represent this gear, okay? This is just limited edition stuff that we have here. Go represent this uh, uh, purple and gold future look, looks bright hat and shirt. And that's the QR code if you want to go order it. 
And for the first, I would say the first hundred that pre-order it will also send one free hat with you, any of those four colors that we have there as well. Okay. Having said that. Can I just tell one quick story about this, why it's so relevant? What's that? So this is a weird, eerie story. And this, and this, there's, I'm going to kind of bring in the Kobe and the PBD, why I think we're even doing this. Um, you can put the hat on. I'm going to put it on. So I remember the day this happened because it was a few days after you and I met in Fort Lauderdale. I don't know if you even remember this, PBD. I don't know if I ever told you this story. PBD and I have known, have known each other since 2012, right? But we didn't really start really talking, talking, talking about me coming to Valuetainment until 2019, if you recall, PBD. And I saw that P- they talk about having a Mamba mentality. You were planning the vault, and this was in um, 2020, January of 2020. I said, oh, PBD, what's up, man? I hear you're in town in Fort Lauderdale. I'm going to come meet you. Adam, dude, I'm literally on a helicopter Looking at locations. Wow, you remember that. Wow. Looking at locations in Fort Lauderdale. You yes? know, we never put those videos ever up. Really? We never put the helicopter ad up. Wow. We spent ten, twenty thousand dollars flew out a camera crew, rented a helicopter, went all over the place in Miami to produce those videos. Wow. Never once did those videos wow. make it up. Never. We have it till today. Okay, I didn't even okay can did I Did you notice? Know no, I didn't know. Never. That. We never I'm, did. I'm Mario getting, knows us, he's upstairs. I'm getting goosebumps as I tell this story. So I see PBD on his Instagram. Yo, I'm in town. He's doing this helicopter thing. I said, yo, PBD, I'm in Miami. Come meet you. We go meet, meet me, you, Mario, Paul at the time at some little restaurant in Fort Lauderdale. Some little uh, breakfast spot. And uh, you had just gotten out of a helicopter. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, we do the thing. We start talking about the podcast, planning what this looks like. This is January of 2020. I said, hey, man, I'm interested, whatever. And I'm telling people, hey, uh, you know, I just met with my, my guy, PBD, Valuetainment. And they're like, who's that? I'm like, what do you mean you never saw him? He's the guy that interviewed Kobe because it just came out a few months prior to that. Yeah. I want to say August, yep. September. Yep. So this is three, four months later. I thought, oh, cool. Yeah, PBD, the helicopter. Breaking news. A couple days later, Kobe Bryant dies in a Jeez. helicopter accident. Dude, I'm, I'm shell-shocked. Because the last three days of my life, I'm saying, PBD, Kobe, helicopter, like, so crazy. I'm supposed to follow up with PD, PBD, like, the next week. Like, hey, all right. Yeah. I'm, like, shooketh. I couldn't even text PBD. Because I know how, what this meant. The, he was, you remember being in this helicopter. Of course I do. Like, Rob, can you show the picture insane. of the helicopter? I just send it to you. So I'm saying this. I'm getting goosebumps. It's crazy. And next thing you know, I'm, like, scared to, like, approach PBD. I don't know why. I just felt like there's not the time to, like, push PBD. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, COVID happens. Wow. Right? And I'm, like, oh, shit. Like, and now I'm, like, but me, I said, literally, this is going to sound corny. I said, Mamba mentality, bro. Like, I, 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 I want to work with PBD. What happened happened. Long story short, these are all the videos yeah, in the helicopter. I have so many videos yeah. on my phone. Long we story never short, did these ads, wow. ever. That was January of yeah. 2020. I'm in Miami. I'm in Fort Lauderdale. Yes. Look at that. Yes. And you, literally, we met like right after right. that day. And I said, you know what? I want this. I want to work with PBD. I'm sick of doing this by myself in my house in Miami. And I said, PBD, I'm literally moving to Dallas. What's up? And then you know, the story goes from there. But yeah. the, the eeriness of the helicopter and the Just PBD. It and then, so, so yeah. anyways, guys, this is going to be a limited amount. If you do want to support it, Future Looks Bright hat and shirt, order it. And you'll get an additional hat for free to, to again, wear the gear of Valuetainment. But more importantly, to represent the fact that you're optimistic about the future looking bright. That is the mindset that he had, Mamba mentality. Mm-hmm. It is a ma- mindset that we have as well. We are, we are convinced the Future Looks Bright. 
But we just had some breaking news. Rob, can you put that QR code last but not least for people to see it at the end? If you wanted to place the order, use the QR code right there. And remember, at the promo code, put PBD Podcast. You'll get an additional hat for free if you place the order of the shirt and the hat. Okay, Rob, put the link below, description, comment, all that stuff. Let's get right into it. Breaking news just happened literally five minutes ago, okay? Uh, jury finds Trump must pay $83.3 million what? My God. to E. What? Gene The crazy Carroll. girl? Yeah. That is fu- that's unbelievable. Which one was E.G. Carroll? Yeah. The one with Anderson the, Cooper? That's right. That's the, the that one. weird lady. You rate me Can you pull one? up that clip? No way. First, let, let's read the story first, Rob, and then we'll go and pull what up the, the clip. What the hell is going on? So can you go closer to the story so we can actually... Okay, so Trump last verdict, absolutely ridiculous. President Trump on Friday blasted the verdict uh, reached uh, by jury, ordering him to pay her $83.3 million in defamation damages and said he would appeal the decision. Trump posted this on Truth Social. Absolutely ridiculous. I fully disagree with both verdicts uh, and will be appealing this whole Biden-directed witch hunt focused on me and the Republican Party. Our legal system is out of control and is being used as a political weapon. They have taken away all First Amendment rights. This is not America. Is there anything else below it, Rob, or that's it? That's it for right now. I think that's Go back to a different story. Let's see if a different story is saying something else. Uh, zoom in on some of those. Let's see who that is. Okay, that's what? That's WAPO? Uh, watch it, yeah. Federal uh, character uh, that kicked off years of threats and harassment from the former president's supporters. Most of the award involved $65 million in punitive damages after juror concluded that Trump acted spitefully and want only towards Carol after she accused him sexually assaulting her in 1990s. Jurors also awarded a combined $18.3 million in compensatory damages. Trump won the Republican presidential primary in New Hampshire earlier this week. He already, he also already won the Iowa caucus. Even if, can you pull up the clip with her and Anderson Cooper. Yeah, You're probably going to find it easier on Twitter if you have it. You mean to tell me this woman that said this to Anderson Cooper which Anderson Cooper himself had to go to commercial. Didn't believe what she had to say. They just paid her eighty. Trump has play this clip. Oh my! I think God. most people think of rape as a. I mean, it is a violent assault. It is not. I a think sexual. most people think of rape as being sexy. Mm. What? Let's take a short break. Think of the fantasies. Mm. We're going to take a quick break. If you can stick around, we'll talk more on the other side. You're fascinating to talk to. What a crazy <laughs> bitch. Look, she's she just the lady from Forty-Year-Old uh, Virgin. Million dollars. Tom, what are you thinking right now with this? Well, we only have a couple things in the headline here, but it says eighteen point three in compensatory damages, sixty-five in punitive. So the punitive is like the bonus on top, which means extreme. Um, that the jury found that it was done with extreme intent. And the, compens- the compensatory damages it says, what she said is Trump said bad things about me, and then all of his people jumped on the bandwagon which were ignited by Trump, and they have been hammering my character. I deserve compensation. And the jury said, yep, you're going to get 18.3 in compensation. And on top of it, we think that it was so bad that the president, the ex-president, should be also hit with an extra punitive. Now, punitive is, you know, punish. So it's not just compensation, it's punitive, you add them together, it's 83. So when you hear Trump saying, we will appeal both decisions, that's what he's talking about. There's two decisions and one here. However, the operative phrase here is he will appeal both. Most things like this go forward to at least two rounds of appeal, and it takes years. But it is nonetheless not a good thing that the verdict came out like this. 
Here's some in, in, insight from The Guardian. So nobody's writing um, a check today. Yeah. Here's the details. The Manhattan federal court decision comes less than one year after E. Jean Carroll won $5 million already in her sexual abuse and defamation trial against the ex-president, Trump. The sum sells from Carroll's rape claim against the president in a June 2019 New York Magazine article. The publication ran an excerpt for, excerpt for her then forthcoming book. Here's the name of the book. What do we need men for? A modest proposal. Interesting. What do we need men for? Okay. In that excerpt, Carol said that Trump raped her inside a dressing room in a Manhattan department store around 1996. We're going back to the 90s, guys. Yeah. A dressing room in 1996. The tenor of Trump's denial saying that, for example, that she lied and was a political operative became the subject of her 2019 defamation suit against him. Here's the details. At the time, Carol could not sue Trump uh, over the alleged assault. It would have taken place outside of the civil statute of statute of limitations, 1996, and that's what's going on here. So, for me, we've seen many of these similar playbooks. Whether it's Trump, whether it's Tate, whether it's Russell Brand, this is their playbook. And when you write a book like "What Do We Need Men For," and that's not a fiction book, it goes to like, what is her motive here? What, what is her you absolute know exactly motive? What her motive is? Yeah. And it's by the way, and notice how it's believe all women. As long as it's coming from, like, it's a Democrat and the person's a Republican. Because, by the way, what about all the, because if this could happen here, notice how it doesn't happen for the other side. B Bill Clinton, Juanita Broderick, lie detector test, testimony, rape me, bit my, almost bit my lip off, dodges raindrops. But this, every single thing with Trump, bro, is all Political and by the way, all you have to do are accusations. That's all you need, Tom. Yeah. Exactly. I, I like the. Uh, I don't like this. I find great irony in the reviews. A work of comic genius, says the New Yorker. Hmm. Says darkly humorous and deadly serious, says the Washington Post. And my favorite, somehow hilarious in a way that only E. Jean could have written. Oprah Magazine. So this this individual. Apparently in the courtroom to a certain jurors here has come across credible enough that this can this decision could come down. But no checks are being written today and this has got to go to appeal. It's a great news story for the left. That's exactly what it is. And that's why they're pushing it. And they're, they're having her do this. It's just yeah, to, to me, this is deeply concerning to think that somebody can accuse you of doing something from 1996 and get eighty three point three million dollars. Do you know how many women are sitting around saying, ching, 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 ching. Fantastic. Perfect opportunity for me to do something. Let me go accuse XYZ. How many people are going to be targeted? Now what do you do? Yeah, and where's the, here's the thing. 1996, where's the proof? Can you prove it? Or it's just, no, no, I just said it, and it happened. Is there footage? Are there cameras? 1996, I'm almost positive there's no footage. It's her word against his word, and, the, and they're going, they're, they're going towards, towards her. That's ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, well, you don't think this is going to be a sign? I mean, we saw the thing with um, wow. Johnny Depp and what's-her-face, Amber Heard. That's one win for the guys. This is the majority is going to be is, is women because all she has to do is say that he did it, and, the, and but the fact that you have money, it's over. Rob, can you roll back to the top of right here what you got here? <clears throat> so I believe, hang on here. Uh... She is a serial accuser because, remember, she also accused Les Moonves of sexually assaulting her uh, in the mid nineteen nineties. Former 90s. producer of CBS, the former executive. Director. Yeah. So yeah. let's. So two. At the time, she's going after this two very 
wealthy media executives. Wow. Hmm. Do you see some breadcrumbs? Yeah, but like who, who don't What happened in that to... Les Moonves uh, exactly. trial? I'm searching. Yeah, what happened with that? That's, I'm yeah. really curious. Les Moonves is, was the biggest name in media in the, yeah, in the 80s like, and 90s, like, by like, the way. Like, like, listen, I'm not saying that well, guys don't... Well, he went to court and was... Also, guys don't. I'm not saying guys don't rape, but Donald Trump and him, like they, with all the money and all the stature, they're out there raping women. I don't believe it. Sorry, I don't believe all women. That's just me. (laughs) I don't believe it either. Yeah. By the way, here was Trump's statement. Um, They asked the court, asked, did you did you ever instruct anyone to hurt Miss Carroll in your statements? He said, no. I just want to defend myself, my family, and frankly, the presidency, Donald Trump. Uh, Carol's team objected again. Kaplan, who was the lawyer, deemed that everything after no be stricken from the statement. So jurors were ordered to disregard the statement. In total, Trump's direct and cross testimony lasted about two or three minutes. So Trump took the stand yep. today. He got the, of course, he got, and I heard his. Is there book. any clip rap or no? No clips. And here it is, less movies. She has a habit of claiming that she's been accosted mm-hmm. in um, uh, very. Random places. Uh, random places. Les Moonves was in a hotel elevator. Oh, give me a break, dude. That's what, that's what it says. That's what she accused him of. Look at her. Look at her. Look you mean her. to tell me the, the, some of the most richest and most powerful men in the world are just rolling up on you in an elevator and just doing all sorts of or weird stuff? Or a department stuff. store or department changing room changing where you could room. scream. Right, where you could scream. And anyone who's ever been to a changing room knows that there's four feet away, there's somebody that says... Yes, you have four articles of clothing, five articles of clothing, two articles. Of... It doesn't add up to me. And five Again, people standing in the hall saying, honey, how does this look? Yeah, exactly. Correct. Unbelievable. I want to know more details here. So we're seeing we're seeing this as breaking news. This happened five minutes ago, BBD. But on the surface, it just seems right. so What's very interesting about the shady. settlement, it's not about the rape itself. It's about him defaming her and ruining her credibility as an advice columnist. Yes. You're telling me this woman... So if you're suffering damages from uh, being defamed, right, you have to prove that you are going to lose that money in the future. You're telling me this woman, as a 70-year-old advice journalist, was going to make $83.3 million over the course of her 18. career? 183 not so, even that. By, by the way, that is probably the most important point because he's not even convicted of rape. He's convicted of denying the rape and then saying, don't believe this witch. Yeah. And now because she's been called a liar and a witch, she deserves $65 million Poor in shit. what? Punitive damages. So <laughs> if, he, if he actually was guilty of the rape charges, okay, that's one thing. But he didn't do it. That's not what he is exactly being accused of. So they're basically accusing him of defending himself, saying, no, uh, this bitch lying. Yep. Didn't Vince McMahon just get in, uh, in well, trouble for something like this? Well, that's a whole other story, too? buddy. Pat? Why would you bring that Did up? Vince, I mean, it's what? It's the same? I don't know. Was that bad? No. I mean, but, but, no, no, but, no, I'm looking at this. I'm not talking to you. It, which story are you on, Tom? I, 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 You're down still here, shocked? I would go back there, and what I was just... Look at the judge. And I was reading that, and I'm going, no, no, no. Judge Lewis Kaplan ruled, even before the trial, the Trump met back to fame Carroll. I'm like... I, I really want to see what happens under appeal. Because who is Judge Lewis Kaplan? Go to Judge Lewis Kaplan. He's the judge in this court case. I know. I want to know who he is. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Who is Judge Lewis Kaplan? What's like, his background? Yeah. And I'm oh, like, his first picture. No, go back, go back, go back, go back. Zoom in. Look at that. You trust happy. that guy? Yeah, he looks happy. Holy shit. That's yeah. that's like a... I trust him. You know the, who that looks like? That looks like the penguin from uh, the last ba- Batman yeah. played for Colin Farrell. Yes. But uh, uh, maybe maybe it's not really him. Maybe it's a guy that's playing him. So who is he? Let's look at his track record. Go to his uh, uh, Wikipedia, Luce Kaplan. Ba, 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 ba. Harvard. Over on the right, and scroll up a little tiny bit, he's in Southern District of New York. 
University of Rochester, and then Harvard University Law Degree. And he's appointed by Bill Clinton. <laughs> really? Yeah, it, right there. there, right there there's a little irony. Imagine that. Weird. Appointed by Bill Clinton. Weird. The judge. Now, if I appoint you, you're just going to go easy on me. Yeah, exactly. Are you yeah. kidding me? So Trump gets accused and he's paying 833. How much has Clinton? So zero. Wow. Great fine, PBD. What a, Great what fine. A, what a nugget. Wow. What a nugget. Wow. How much of this do you think Trump's going to end up having to pay? I, I think this is going to go to appeal, and we're going to see things about the court case. We're going to see things about um, suppressed statements and testimony, how they parse it all down. And I think we're going to see things about the size of the. Does this, this end up at the Supreme Court? No. Uh, look. If you study this, this is what you're going to find. A lot of very big, big awards happen at the first. Oh, the my God. Check this out. Watch this here, Tom. Watch this here, Tom. I'm so sorry to interrupt. Okay, go to other cases he's worked on. Go to go lower. Go lower. Go lower. Go lower. Go lower. Uh, go up a little bit. Uh, right there. Right there. Right there. Right there. Right there. Hang on. Hang on. Right there. You will not even believe what I just found. <laughs> Look at the case you worked on. Look for... Uh, uh, all the way in the bottom of miscellaneous, second line, 2021-2022. He was, Kaplan was presiding judge on mattering oh, relating wow. towards Virginia Gurefrey and Prince Andrew. Click on that on six. Watch what happens here and what happens to the case. Click on the, just click on, that's the one. Click right there, zoom in, and just go to the top. Yeah, pa pa pa. Jennifer Andrew reached, case was dismissed. By the party stipulation in March 2022 without going to trial. Prince Andrew. So okay. let me get this straight. This case, read the top. Federal Court, Virginia. You know who Virginia, uh, uh, Jeff, I mean, we just talked Sexually about her, traffic right? girl That's from right. Epstein Island. From Epstein Island. Second son of, wow. or sexual assault, under court, uh, several uh, sexual encounters with Andrew in the early 2000s at the age of 17 after being sex trafficked by American financier and convicted by sex offender Jeffrey Epstein. Dismissed. Without going to trial, yet Trump's $83.3 million. Wow. Wow. What a freaking fine. Great fine. That is insane. All you got to do is dig a little bit. They got some splaining to do. $83 million. The big ones you hear about. The big ones you hear about is when asbestos kept getting worse and they lost, they ran out of appeals before the U.S. Supreme Court. And all of a sudden they're settling and they're writing checks. And the same thing happened with uh, cigarettes. You can appeal this and you got to go all the way through the appeals before checks get written. Trump's going to appeal this and you're going to have like multiple angles under appeal. Just you have the original case. But guess what also you have was the punitive damage is fair or excessive. Was the actual uh, compensatory damages fair or excessive? Was the uh, plaintiff, uh, uh, you know, correct in their in the procedurals that they were granted by the court? Was the defendant, you know, correctly handled in the procedurals by the report? Appeals on this usually end up bye bye. They can settle. They can settle going forward. And, but guess what? And guess. But what let me tell you, that's not even the point, Tom. The point here, what we just found, just by, by the way. By simply checking who he is, mm -hmm. what cases he worked on, you dismiss a case of a guy accused of raping a 17-year-old girl multiple times, but you believe a girl who thinks rec uh, rape is viewed as sexy and Anderson Cooper goes to commercial because he thinks she's delusional 
but you say yes to that, and then you're appointed by Clinton. I'm sorry, man. This is American gangster. Connect the dots, and you see where the motive is. And there is that famous line in the movie. What is that movie with a uh, uh, with, uh, 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 great actor who I love, who played in... Um, who played in American History X. What's his name? Edward Norton. Edward Norton. He's playing that movie Primal Fear with Richard yeah. Gere. And you hear that video when they play the video and they're sitting, that VHS drop off. And they play the clip and it's the pastor, them having sex. And the other lawyer says, motive, there's motive. motive. The motive is linked to Clinton, to Epstein, protecting the enemy, protecting the bad guy. And going after the good guy. This is why America doesn't trust you. By the way, Kamala Harris said something the other day. She said she's worried. You found this video. Have you given it to him or not yet? I gave it to him. The the video. Watch what she says. She says this, folks. This is how weird this is. This is a great find by Vinny. If you can find this clip, Rob, uh, that Vinny sent. Vinny, tell us what the context behind it is. And this is when you need to listen to Kamala because she's not cackling. Okay, this it's very. These are let's very watch rare. it first. Let's very watch it rare. first. She's not cackling like a hyena. Listen. Make it bigger. There you go. Go for it. November of of, not, of 2024 binary. And on the other side, you've got someone who has said that if he were back in office, he would weaponize the Department of Justice. <laughs> Someone who <laughs> a has look on her openly She's applauded the insurrectionists as yeah. patriots. Yeah. Someone who has said that they will probably yeah. given to go her after Biden their news political interviewer. enemies look, look. Look at the and, point. and applauds yeah. dictators, <laughs> indicating that he would be one. So let's be really clear about what's at stake and then yes of course there is then a desire that let's get out the, there because the we used. can't yes lose this i have a dream democracy. to use the doj against him but uh, say that he's gonna do it to us she said literally Space. every single thing that the biden it's administration bad. is doing for the past four years, gotta and the fa- you gotta always pay attention when she's not laughing like a freaking moron. She's like really trying to hit it home. It's like like are people dumb? Are you guys believing this this absolute cackling hyena with zero zero? She's the worst, one of the worst vice presidents, along with the worst presidents in the history of this country, and nobody says anything. It's unbelievable, bro. Unbelievable. Rob, what's the Kamala Harris approval ratings at this point? I think it's even worse than Biden's. And Biden's is, I think, hovering below 40% at this point. Moron. Rob, can you find that? Yeah, her, her approval rating is 37%. It's I, I, worse I get, than Trump's and ever you know, been you know what or really Biden. Pisses me off, Adam. That yeah. 37%, who the hell are they? Who well, are you? They're, they're just they're, they're brainwashed. The just DEI Dems, uh, Vinny, yeah. it ceases to amaze me how you still don't understand that half the country no, is Democrat no, no, and half no, the country is Republican. No, no, but no. Either no. way. Now, that's not the point. Yeah. You're missing the point. What I'm saying is I get that part. My point is how dumb do you have to be like, no, she's doing a great job. At what I, I would, point? I wouldn't say dumb. I would just say fixed to your side and not uh, willing to change. So I, I think it's called But here's dumb. what I will say. They're dumb. And I took some heat over this from the first time around. I said, I'm not really worried about uh, Biden not making it through his first term. Uh, Byron Udell, you buddy, uh, by the way, you're going to owe me some money when he finishes his first time. But I am genuinely worried about Biden, Biden finishing his second term. And, you know, the whole fear of, oh, Kamala Harris is going to be president. That wasn't something that I, that concerned me in 2020. That is a major concern in 2024. Major concern. Can I ask you a question, though? Why, why is it a concern to you if right now you're seeing that Joe Biden, 
This isn't a joke. I'm not being funny. I'm being dead serious. He makes zero decisions. If you could look at Joe Biden right now and say that he actually goes, all right, guys, come in here like Trump, like a boss. Absolutely not. So what would it change? Because whoever they are, every time he says they, Rob, they told me this, it's going to be the same they telling her dumb ass to say the same shit. He can't even speak English anymore. Well, let's just hope that it's not her. No, but what does it matter to you, Adam? At least she could could laugh and talk. Bingo. Adam, bingo. It's not her writing these cards. It's not her making the decision. Yeah, it's they. It's they. It's it's not they. It is the Biden administration. That are carrying the party line, and we've mm-hmm. seen it over and over again. If you really need to get out from under something, what do you do? You accuse the other side right. of what you're already doing. And she's reading off three by five cards or other notes stating he wants to weaponize the Department of Justice. That is exactly what they've done. We have evidence of that. We can see it. Project. And so this to me is not surprising. And she, I don't find her to be a, you know, a capable vice president by performance or by, you know, qualifications. No. But I, I step aside from like, you know, picking on any of her personality traits. I can don't we, need to. Can we for a moment, like take a break from all this divisiveness and appreciate a, one of the greatest quotes of all time that will forever be written about and quoted by some of the greatest philosophers and leaders forever. Okay. Right here. Listen to what the president said. Life-changing quote. Guys, whatever you do, put everything down. Okay. Because you're going to recite this quote to your kids tonight, mm-hmm. okay. probably to your wife, to your friend. Maybe this week when you're preparing for your Monday speech at your employees and, and you're trying to say something to move them. So excited. You're going to use I'm this quote. Go, go ahead and play this, Rob. We'll teach Donald Trump a valuable lesson. Don't mess with the men in America unless you want to get the best. Listen, for even my Democratic friends out there, he did not speak English on that. If it's okay with you, can we please? Can we listen to that in slow motion? It was clear what he said. You want to listen to that in slow motion? You guys said I understood fully what he said. Can we do that in half speed? For me, I have a dream just once a second. Can I say one thing? Can we hear it one more time and then and understand this? Nobody knows what he said, but the audience. Look at how brainwashed they they're just like, we love it. Play that yeah, again. But, but can, can we please do it at 0.5 or 0.75? <laughs> yeah, Rob, Rob slow just, it down a little bit. Just, yeah, it's perfect. We'll teach Donald <laughs> Trump a, a valuable lesson. Don't mess with the men in America unless you want to get the benefit. Hey. Yeah! <laughs> like, yeah! By the way, by Don't the way, mess with the women was, in America unless you want to get the benefit. Have, we have one that, that might mean? even be better. Rob, will you find oh Biden at the brewery yesterday? Oh, oh you already oh, you already have this? Well, this oh, you know what here. <laughs> is, is this a real clip? Brew beer in this 30 hours final. ago. Oh, Earth Rider, thanks for the Great Lakes. I wonder why you're <laughs> What are you laughing at, bro? I want that audience when I do stand up. Do you, do you they laugh any, at anything. Do you have any idea what he just said? And by <laughs> the way, he, all of his advisors are on the right, and he walks to the left and starts milling around the brewing equipment. What's, but, what's wrong with that? Bro, he, Maybe he's going for a yeah. walk by himself to kind of reflect and reminisce he's of that, what it he, used to be, you know. You know what it is? He's that, he's that drunk grandfather that you have that you never know what he's going to say it might be like you you always like on eggshells like with blinken remember when blinken was in the audience and they're like oh he said no, do you think said, uh, she, she is a, she's a dictator well he is blinken was like oh, oh shit i told you not oh to grandpa that. joe yeah what are you i mean look doing? he's a gaff machine there's no denying that he's whatsoever. the, he's he's the goat though guys one day you're going to be quoting him and you'll see he's the goat we have to give him the proper respect that he deserves but let's go to the next story watch this one here 
So kind of weird. Nikki Haley, uh, a Republican, uh, poll comes out. 70% of Nikki Haley's New Hampshire voters are not registered Republicans. Okay? Weird. Very weird. So she, her policies are so powerful and amazing that Democrats are in love with her. Think, think about how amazing you are. You got to be. That former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley can attribute her competitive performance in Tuesday night's New Hampshire primary almost entirely to voters outside her own party, exit independent to vote for Haley. Exit polls suggest the state opens primary model, allowed record number of Democrats and independents to vote for Haley, an ill omen for future performance with her own party. Former President Trump handily won New Hampshire on Tuesday night, 54-something percent. According to CNN's exit poll, 7 in 10 Granite State residents who backed Haley were registered undeclared prior to Tuesday. Only 27% of her supporters were registered Republicans. Meanwhile, Donald Trump's base was exactly the opposite, 70% Republicans, 27% undeclared. What do you think happened here, Tom? You think Dems are just saying that yeah, they wanted to come out because they like her policies or anything to be Trump? Well, I— I think it was anything to beat Trump, and I think that there's a couple of stories we'll get to in here in due time about who was supporting her and what they're trying to do. This is an effort here to basically use her as a wedge to ensure maybe Trump didn't win or to cast doubt. And what it all made sense to me, if I just change the story a little bit, 70% of establishment candidate Nikki Haley's voters are not registered Republicans. And then suddenly it all makes sense when I just add the words establishment candidate then it all comes comes home to roost and i think the people that are behind her are trying to use her as a divisive wedge candidate this isn't nikki haley this is ross perot and heels being propped up by people who want to wreak havoc with the republican primary and donald trump himself look she's uh, the classic corporate neocon you know independent who's a republican in name only rhino situation she's definitely not a democrat and she's definitely not maga at this point um yet she plays the democratic part card pretty well obviously with everything that she talked about with like, the race baiting and stuff like that identity politics gender politics uh, Vivek has torn her a new one. We've seen what happened with that. She's the anti-Vivek. Vivek is a disruptor. He's going to call it like he sees it. He's not bought and paid for. The one thing that we know about Nikki Haley is that she's establishment. She's elitist and she's bought and paid for. We know that before that she, after she got out of the governorship or before she was the UN, what was it Boeing that paid her millions of dollars? Who was it? It was Boeing. a couple of defense contractors, yeah, yeah. most notably Boeing, and she got yeah. ridiculous. So yeah, I mean, this is a classic scenario of you don't have money, you don't have money to, fi- to fund your campaign, you're not the type of person that's going to get the grassroots support like a Bernie Sanders or an Obama or even a Trump, so you're going to go to the corporate donors and you're going to say, hey, whatever you need me to do, I'll do, whatever you need me to say, I'll say, sure, I'll take your 10, 100, 200 million bucks. And then she's bought and paid for. This is why her and Vivek, of all candidates, feuded because they're the exact opposite people. Even on uh, Andrew Schultz's podcast, Vivek went on there and tore a new one again. He said, this is what Nikki is. She's Dick Cheney in heels. And uh, I think all this has it there. She became the director of Boeing in 2019 and stepped down the next year, collecting over 300 grand in cash and stock. Yeah. Sure she made with that. But then Trump, I think... Um, before that, Trump put her at what? To the head of the UN? What was her role for Trump campaign? United Nations. For Trump uh, administration? Yeah, she was the United. She Nations. was the United Nations. Okay, but 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 yeah. and again, bro, but what a shout out to the Democrats, bro. These guys, 
do not, they stop at nothing, right? First Russia, then two impeachments, which were all BS. COVID c- comes from China. This rape defamation cycle, uh, blonde chanson looking chick. Then the insurrection, which wasn't an insurrection, wasn't accused for insurrection. 91 counts of whatever. And now the now Nikki Haley. They don't stop, bro. You what what does the them- Democrats have to do with Nikki Haley? I'm saying they're backing her. You know they're they're behind her. If it, you think- well, and specifically, you know they say in, vote- you know they say in Iowa you have to win the evangelical vote. That's how you win it. Trump just had the best uh, results of any primary, maybe ever. He had fifty percent of the evangelical fifty percent of the uh, of the Iowa caucus vote, which is largely um, evangelicals. In New Hampshire, it's a different crowd. It's the it's the independent, they can go either way, crowd, Republican, Democrat. It's not the Democratic Party that voted for Nikki Haley. It's the vast majority are independents. And no doubt, she's, this is her last state that she had a chance in. All right, been New Hampshire. After this, it's South Carolina. In her home state, Trump's up big. In Vegas, Trump's up big. She's got a couple more weeks of being involved in the campaign, and then she's done. She's holding out holding that Trump out. gets convicted of something and can't be the president, and she's the... Last man or woman left standing, but there's no real push to see they her lo- become the president. And I don't know. No well, let me read the next stories about Nikki Haley. So, sure. billionaire LinkedIn uh, co-founder Reed Hoffman stops donating to Haley. Okay, uh-huh. and he was big on her, and he's out. Okay, so he's not going to be mm-hmm. contributing the way he was. Hoffman had contributed two hundred fifty thousand dollars to Super PAC, backing uh, Haley, while Saban had donated one point seven million dollars. To GOP campaigns over three cycles, Saban emphasized that Haley's candidacy was losing momentum, stating her money is going to dry up. And these guys are sitting there saying they're probably going to go to Trump or other places. But Haley campaign lashes out at RNC Ronna McDaniel over resolution to declare Trump presumptive GOP nominee. nominee. Haley's campaign pushed back against Republican uh, National Committee and Chairwoman Ronna McDaniel regarding a draft resolution to declare Donald Trump the presumptive GOP nominee Haley spokeswoman uh, Olivia Perez Cubas firmly stated, who cares what the RNC, RNC says? We'll let millions of Republican voters across the country decide who should be our party nominee, not a bunch of Washington insiders. Yep. She also challenged McDaniel to organize a debate between Trump and Haley. RNC spokesperson Keith Shippard clarified that such resolutions are initiated by RNC members and will be subject to resolutions committee decisions. Trump later withdrew his support for her. The resolution emphasizing the importance of winning the nomination through the traditional voting process and promoting party unity. So, uh, Tom, uh, the the issue with her, obviously, we were there when Vivek came out and flat out called, uh, uh, you know, Ronald McDaniel out and says, you can come out here and resign in front of everybody. And Nikki Haley is now following his lead. What happened here, Tom? Uh, Well, it's very simple. The presumptive nominee, it's kind of like saying... Um, you see a woman who's obviously eight months pregnant, and you say, "Wow, Nikki Haley's eight months pregnant." No, 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 <laughs> Tom. No, you, Tom. you see Rob, a woman. Can you, can you Google that? I, no, are no, you no. being serious? Tom, or? What are you no. saying right now? Let's say you're you're walking down the street, you're in the mall, and you see a woman who's eight months pregnant. Two things come to mind. First, where's Adam? Second, second, you say, "Oh, look, an expectant mother." So what they're saying is, "Hey, guys." This primary is eight months pregnant, and 
the baby is Donald Trump. This thing is done. So, by the way, and it wasn't just Ronna McDaniel, initiated by RNC members. What do the members want? They want to win. So they want to consolidate what's going on. They want to put the money behind one force and get after Joe Biden or whoever gets propped up when he falls down the stairs. That's what they're ready to do. That's where they're that's where they're headed. So and now Haley wants to go further and further, usually in times like these. We've all said it and you can go look this up through history. This is negotiation time. We are in the middle of negotiation right now. And this is where candidates who have campaign debts or maybe out over their seas or would like a fee to kind of wrap things up are behind the scenes negotiating, saying, hey, look, I got about 3000 in uh, campaign ad spending I need taken care of, and we need this, and this is where those backroom deals are cut to get somebody to roll off. But what's happening right now is Ronna McDaniel is actually doing her job, whether you're part of the people that like her or don't like her, have had very real criticism of her, which is well-deserved because they have not been a winning party, and Vivek is right. But whether you agree with her right now or not, she is actually doing the right thing, saying, hey, look, the RNC members are voting. He's the nominee. We're an eight-month pregnant here. It's time to get on to the next stage, which is winning this thing. Who's pregnant? Who's eight months pregnant? (laughs) This Haley, you, you, by the way, you drop rumors like that. You, you yeah. tomorrow you see inquiries saying Nikki Haley is eight months pregnant. I'm pregnant by Adam Sosnick, hiding apparently. very Thanks, well. Tom. Uh, well, no, that was a girl at the mall. But this is no. I mean, the eight month pregnant is a bad metaphor on my part, and it's clumsy. Tom, dad it's joke. fine. You'll make up for it later. But no, here's the bottom line, by the about, way. But it's about over, and they want to focus yeah. their energies at winning. Yeah. Look at the numbers, guys. Who's ahead in South Carolina? That, that's the next primary. Trump's at what sixty two percent, and she's at where twenty. If you scroll down a little bit, you'll see the number, Rob. She's at 30. She's She's at 30 30 in South Carolina? 29.3. 29. Okay. That's just in South Carolina. Guys, that's her state. There's one state where she's like, yo, what up? Nikki in the house. It's her state. It's kind of like Ron DeSantis fumbling Florida. So if you go to the national polls, if you could just scroll back out here. Miss Ron. It's 62 to 29. What was it? 69 to what? 29? Yeah. Still a 30-plus point lead. How about this one? National polls. Trump's at 70. 70 and surging. Since Ron, and, and surging. When, before Ron DeSantis dropped out, he was at like 60. Now he's at 70. She's where? She's never broken 15. What's her, what number she's at, Rob? 14.5. She's at 14, exactly. So listen, guys, this is game's over. There's Hail Mary stuff going on. Nikki's trying to be eight month pregnant, trying to be the president. Whatever Tom's analogy was, I don't get it, but everybody's pregnant. Trump's the nominee. Everybody yeah. pregnant up everybody in here. Pregnant. Trump's everybody's daddy. Ron. Where's Ron? I miss yeah. Ron. Trump's everybody's daddy is the bottom line. All right, so let's go to the next story here with Texas. Greg Abbott urged to fully militarize Texas State Guard to counter Biden, a Newsweek story. Okay, this is not looking good. Rob, if you can pull up the tweet with what letter he put that went viral, he wrote it himself because it's pretty strange what the White House is doing, and they're not helping uh, Abbott out here. So Daniel Miller, president of Texas Nationals Movement, the TNM, has urged Governor Greg Abbott to significantly expand and fully militarize the Texas State Guard if President Biden uh, federalizes the Texas National Guard amid the border crisis. Miller stated, if Biden federalizes the Texas National Guard, Greg Abbott should immediately throw enlistment and Texas State Guard wide open, fully militarize them, and deploy them as border protection force along the entire border. The Texas State Guard, which currently comprises... Around 1,900 personnel could potentially serve as an alternative border protection force as it cannot be federalized 
by law and remains under the sole authority of the government of Texas. In contrast, the Texas National Guard, with roughly 23,000 personnel, could be federalized. So this is Abbott responding. Rob, if you can zoom in a little bit. So federal government has uh, broken the compact between the United States and the states. The executive branch of the United States has constitutionally duty to enforce federal laws protecting states, including immigration laws, on the books right now. Biden has refused to enclose those laws and has even violated them. The result is that he has smashed records for illegal immigration, despite having put a notice on a series of letters, one of which I delivered to him by hand. President Biden has ignored Texas's demand that he has performed his constitutional duties. President Biden has violated his oath to faithfully execute immigration laws enacted by Congress, instead prosecuting immigrants for federal crime or of illegal entry. President Biden has sent his lawyers into federal courts to sue Texas for taking action to secure the border. Number two, President Biden has instructed his agencies to ignore federal statutes that mandate the detention of illegal immigrants. The effect is illegal, uh, illegally allowed there in mass parole into the United States by wasting taxpayer dollars to tear open Texas border security infrastructure. President Biden has enticed, enticed illegal immigrants away from the 28 legally entry points along the state's southern border bridges where nobody drowns. And by the way, if you watch this video, uh, and before we play this video, Vinny, can you give us a little bit of context on who this person is okay. in the video that's crossing the okay. border? Okay, and Pat, can I just really fast, like, of course, yeah. shout out to the governor of Texas finally stepping It's about time. It is about, yeah, I, I, it's about I, time. A little bit too late. But, yo, if you got a problem about that, yo, you're the problem, okay? Because think about it. Texas is damned if it does and damned if it doesn't, all right? First of all, they've been wanting to open border for this past four years, right? Then the governor's like, you know what? We have too much of an influx. I'm going to start shipping these people to the sanctuary cities, to Martha's Vineyard, to New York, all these places. And what the people now, we're looking at what's happening. Now, when he's trying to put up a barbed wire, the, think about this. The president's administration the government is saying how dare you try to protect yourself we want this influx of people to keep coming in all right and pat if you don't mind can i just say that the study the yale university released a study by three researchers saying that the number of illegals isn't 10 it ain't 12 it's 22 million illegals are here okay and now the democrats are pushing for them to become citizens to vote remember last week with aoc she said um why don't we just you know how you solve it just give them all citizenship. Give them a path to citizenship. Yeah, that was on the Daily Show. I believe. All right. That would add to our voter roll 22 million permanent electoral majority voters. Okay. And that would, that's what this entire thing is about. I want everybody to know this. It's not about humanitarianism. It's not about AOC next to the fence and bullshitting you, trying to lie like they care about these people. It's votes. That's all it is. Okay. And now, just to give you guys a heads up, remember I said this, that all these terrorists that we caught, 165, Here's a, here's a video that Rob's going to play of a Middle Eastern guy. And I could tell he's Middle Eastern because I'm Middle Eastern. I could tell from the accent. Look what he's saying. His name is Mavzam. This is what they're saying. Mavzam Samadov. He's the leader of the Islamic terrorist group from Azerbaijan Islamic Party. He's a convicted terrorist and arms dealer. People are saying this is him. They put a picture next to him. It looks exactly like him. And look at what he says coming into our border in Texas about what he's going to do to America. Go ahead, Rob. From. Are you going to take where I'm from uh, by force? No. So I will not uh, tell you, you where I'm from. So these are the people that these are the people that question. These are the people that are breaking into your country, folks. Ready for his attitude? That's amazing. These are the people right here. That kind of attitude. Let me educate you. It's a tripod you hold. Protect my family. So you see, there you go. Watch. Violence. So there you go. 
these are the There's people violence. that are coming in. The ones laughing. No, no. You didn't say no it's violence. very easy to find my face, by the way. If you are smart enough, you will know who I am. Look, but you are really not smart enough to know who I am. But soon you're gonna know who I am. What? Wow. Vinny, who is this guy? Hold on. Okay. So, Google his name and put it right next to the video. Okay. And can uh, we see his face? Ma yeah. Mavzam Samadov. And, and here's the thing, guys. Regardless. Go to that, images. Uh, that's the guy. Wow. That's him. Now, now let me say something to everybody up there. Yeah. When somebody is saying to you, I do, I got goosebumps. Soon you will know yeah. who I am and who the hell my name is. Is the FBI, do you think the FBI is looking for this guy? Absolutely not. That's, and that's another layer on top of this. They want all these votes, and they let these people in. God knows because they know. They give them cell phones. They give them money. What if, God forbid, it, this is all a plan where they go, okay, this is, we want you to do this. Vinny, want you let to me ask you a couple questions. Uh, where is this guy from, allegedly? He's Azerbaijan. Yeah, okay. He's from, he's, and that's in, he's, they call him crossing the border, right? The Texas border that the government, hold on, that our okay. government, yes, is fighting to... So let me ask you, Azerbaijan, when you're crossing the border, where is Azerbaijan in Latin America? Is that near Colombia? Is that near... Uh, Actually, Adam, it's Where is nowhere, that near? In Guatemala? Adam, where is Adam, Azerbaijan exactly? It's on the other so, side of the world currently persecuting Armenians. So, Vinny, where is Azerbaijan? It borders Armenia, and what, what Azerbaijan is fighting what? Armenia, and they're doing a genocide. Yeah. Hold on, can you pull that? Yeah. So... It's not even in Latin America. No, 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 Adam. So no, Azerbaijan is in is in the Middle East, in Europe area. 100%. So why would a guy from Azerbaijan be crossing through the Mexican border, Vinny? I'll, and I'll tell you why, Adam. Please explain. I'll tell me. you why, especially with that attitude, because he wants to cause harm and death to this, to yes. this effing country. And that's why I am so pro what Governor Abbott is doing. Mm -hmm. God bless him. And, bro, finally the people are stepping up, bro. If they're, Remember I said this. There's no left. There's no right. It's them against us. And, and shame on the government for stopping them from protecting their border. Like, bitch, this isn't, this isn't happening in Washington. Correct. The people of Texas, dude, they're fed up with the bullshit. What, is go what are we talking Vinny, about? Vinny, obviously I was being sarcastic. I know you were. I know so, you. But here's what I want to back you up on, all right, bro? I think it was being serious. Yeah. I, <laughs> what, there's, one, there's one thing for AOC to see, oh, these migrants, they're coming through, you know, it's kids, it's you know, they, they're looking for a better life. Yeah. Why the hell are Middle Eastern literal terrorists crossing the freaking border? You, uh, explain this to me. Explain it to me The why? people at the border. And, and mind you, we caught 168. Explain that. No, there is no explanation. Exactly. And so, and, and here's my thing. If God forbid this piece of shit does something and kills Americans, I'm telling you right now, Mayorkas and all these guys, they, they're not going to be, yeah. but the American people, we have to hold these pieces of trash. Aren't they trying to impeach Mayorkas? Adam, trying just like Fauci, just like Fauci, who right now is retired, but guess what he has? Secret Service protection, Tom. Diplomatic immunity. Our, our, our tax dollars are protecting that little rat. Because he knows they, they, he, they, he did his By the way, this guy, this guy uh, was the head of the Islamic Party of Azerbaijan who served mm -hmm. 12 years in prison and was re released January of 2023. Go to his Wikipedia, Rob. Let's, let's learn about him a little that bit. What are the chances him. that this was the guy at the I border? Think it, it looks highly very likely. Close very close. Yeah? Even very close. Pat, can, we, can you yeah, show I'm gonna, them? I'm let the audience this, see and, what this and, is. And and this is very concerning. These aren't just innocent Guatemalan guys just trying to escape poverty here. And Adam, Why the hell are people from Azerbaijan crossing the Mexican border? And Adam, even get ready for this. Rob, look at the one I just sent you. And even if it's not him, guess what? Do you That threat? That's yeah. a threat from a guy from the Middle East. Are you effing kidding me? And guess what we're going to say if, if he does something? There's a failure of intelligence. Again, they're going to say failure of intelligence. Bullshit. 
That's the entire. How have they not tracked his ass down and be like, who the hell are you? Why are you in the country right Adam, now? Adam, you know why? Because they're going after Nana's that were at January 6th still. The FBI is too busy to worry about this. Zoom in. This the How guy? much does that look like him? Pretty close going to, to the me, left. Pat. That's the, to me. That's. Him. I mean, that's pretty, pretty damn close. similar. But obviously, on the right, he looks more tan because he's been he's crossing been the, the border. Yeah. In the I, sun. And again, regardless of if it's this guy, the threat, the threat of soon you will know who I am means he's going to do something that's like going to give him notoriety. And what do you think it's going to be? He's going to open up a Starbucks? But even, no, he wants to blow shit up. Even if he's not that guy, why is this guy crossing the border anyway? Because it's why Azerbaijan yeah. isn't right below Texas. Exactly. Adam, because they, Adam, guess what? Because if you're a terrorist, you want to do harm. Guess what? All you have to do is turn on the news. Wide open border. Wide open. It's it's disgusting. I mean, I, I shout out to Texas. I, I love the border it. is so complicated, but it does. I would always wonder why don't the states do something about it if the federal government wouldn't do something about it? Could, like, oh, it's, it's federal territory. It's like, but the states also. Hey, we got oh, one last story oh. to do. You want to do the Charlemagne story? Let's yeah. Go ahead. That's to the Charlemagne fine. Story. Okay, so um, you want to play the clip first? Um, I'll, I'll it's gonna come. Okay, I'll show it right now. It. So, Lennon McKelvey. Uh, you guys all know him as Charlemagne, and I refuse to call him or any other man God uh, for that reason. His name is Leonard. Uh, he was recently on uh, Piers Morgan and they were, uh, the Breakfast Club, and they were talking about Trump and his – you could already tell his attitude because say what you want, Leonard – Charlemagne, uh, you guys can call him that. He has Trump derangement syndrome, one hundred percent. He he, uh, Piers is talking about Trump, and then I sent you the link, Rob, on uh, Slack. This is what uh, Charlemagne the God says about our our amazing United States of America. Back, he's making. Nobody thought he could do this. Talk about Trump after the stolen election bullshit after. The January 6th riots, all that stuff after the 91 criminal charges. Did anyone really think we'd be in a position where Trump had a landslide win mm. in Iowa and is now in most polls I'm looking at likely to beat Biden if he does end up as candidate? I mean, it's, it's, it's an incredible comeback. Well, well, you think well, it? well, it's something we say all the time, right? We know that America systemically, structurally is a racist country. Oh, and I think we know. Like Hold on, we I know. I want to ask you about in Trump 2016 after you win. I can understand the case for optimism, right? Mm. Nobody wants to see this country fall. But yeah. it's 2024 now. Based on everything we've seen Trump do, all of the things you mm. just, you know, said, the attempted coup of the country, the 91 attempted criminal coup. charges, yeah. you still think he should be president? And you can pause that. By the way, do you, listen to what he said. Leonard said, I... We all know, not I think, not my opinion, we all know, you, me, everybody here, that this country is systemically and, uh, what else is structurally racist. Now, look, 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 here's my question. What can't you do, okay, that a, that, a, that a white person can't do? Doctor, astronaut, president of the United States, two terms. I hate this attitude, and, and this is going back to what you always say. What he's doing is not only divisive, but he's instilling victimhood mentality into the young black youth, just youth minority in general, saying, you know what? You can't do something because something is holding you back, which I think is bullshit. And by the way, how he's a walking, talking contradiction. He wrote a book. His book, guess what the, the book is actually called? Black, black Privilege, Opportunity to Come to Those Who Create It. Look at, look. So wait, if there's black privilege... An opportunity comes to those who create it, and yet everything's structurally racist. And how did you make it? How did you did you slip through the cracks? I don't, I don't get it. These people are making all they're killing and they're making money because everybody it's a victimhood mentality, and that's how they make their money. But then Rob, I think he should write a different book. And I actually wrote it, Pat. You actually, uh, I think he should write it. It should be called "A Word from the God: How to Become Filthy Rich in the Most Racist Place 
in history. That's that's mm-hmm. what I think that, that he should have his book. But it's like, what do you think? I think it's ridiculous that this attitude of we're racist and guys at the end of the day. There's racist people in this country, just like there's pedophiles over here and there's bad people over here and there's crooks over here. It's not what they say it is and how bad it is. And I think it's ridiculous and it's not helping the youth if you're setting into their brains that everybody's racist, the system is against you, and you can't do do anything. Do you think percentage-wise, percentage-wise, Tom, and this goes to everybody, I want you to think about this before you answer it. You put all the total, put total amount of white people in America, total white population in America, what is the number? Total white population in America, and then look at the total uh, 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 black population in America. Is there like a number, what that number is? Uh, white population, is that what it is? Okay, That's look. the white population. Let's just say it is 251. Okay, and then go to black population in America. Total black population in America. Total black population in America. Okay, what is that? What number do you, I see 41.6 million. 14% is what it's hovered around. 13 point, 14.6 million black, 251 oh, million. Yeah. 13, uh, uh, what do you call it? 251 million white. Okay. What percentage of which one has more races towards the other color? Are, are there more white races towards black or more blacks races towards white? Let me ask the question one more time. Are there more white people who hate blacks or are there more black people who hate whites? Percentage-wise. I think right now it's more black people racist towards whites because the numbers of the white is way more. I think right now black people really, really hate white people. Okay. So, you know, I mean, listen, you can answer that whatever way you want, right? A person watching this, you're like, there's no way in the world there's going to be more. There's probably going to be uh, physically more whites towards black because America is a the number. white, it's the a whiteness? 60% white. It's like saying, is there more Middle Easterns than white? No, this, this is America, it's more whites than there's going to be blacks. But the argument he's making, the way he's saying it, is why America has the problem that he has. He's successful. The best, the best ever clip I ever saw was Don Lemon and Morgan Freeman. <laughs> Rob, if you can pull this clip up, if you have it or not, it's by, by far the best clip ever. What America needs more today is way more uh, of what uh, uh, Morgan, Freeman, Morgan Freeman said and way less that America is a racist nation from blacks that are multi-multi-millionaires. And by the way, we all had a past. This guy used to sell cocaine and, uh, and weed in a past. You can look at his Wikipedia. That's what his background says. No judgment towards you. I have also a past. We all have a past. But America forgave you, and you got an incredible life now. Fame, family, money, millions, accolades, respect. And you're just being more and more divisive. Play this clip real quick, and you tell me which one is going to bring us more together and which one's going to divide us more. Go ahead, Rob. Because you called it bull when you said people can't, you know, pull themselves up. Do you think that race plays a part in wealth dis- distribution or either a mindset that you can't Today? or cannot? Yeah. No. You don't? No. I don't. I don't. Look at us. Hey, you and I, we're proof. Why would race have anything to do with it? Stick your, put your mind to what you want to do and go for that. Boom. Uh, it's kind of like religion to me. It's a good excuse for not getting there. Yeah. You know, I said, and it's probably get me in trouble, but I Listen. said to some of my colleagues recently, said, so I know that it's an issue, but I've been, it seems like every single day on television I'm talking about race and it's because of the news cycle, it's in the news, but I'm so, sometimes I get so tired of talking about it, I want to just go, this is over, can we move on? And, and, and if you talk about it, it exists. Right. 
Yeah. It's not like it exists and we refuse to talk about it, but making it a bigger issue than it needs to be is the problem we have. And it's the same, Bingo. it's almost the same one that he had, Rob. Who's the other interviewer, the Jewish guy that was interviewing him? And he's like, I don't want a Black History Month. This is Morgan Freeman. He goes, I don't want a Black History Month. And, the, and he goes, he goes, then the guy goes, well, I'm Jewish. He goes, then when's Jewish History Month? He goes, there isn't one. He goes, okay, then I'll stop calling you. You know what Trump, this is it right here. You find ridiculous. Why? You're going to relegate my history to a month? Oh, come well, on. What do you do with yours? What, which month is white history month? <laughs> no, well, 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 come on. Well, look, what? Well, uh, well, I, I'm Jewish. I'm Jewish. Okay. okay. Which I'm month sure. is Jewish history month? Uh, there isn't one. Oh. Oh. Why not? Yeah. Do you want one? No, no. No. I, 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 I don't either. Beautiful. I don't want a black history month. Black history is American history. Bingo. How are we going to get rid of racism? And stop talking about it. That's How long ago is this? I'm going to stop calling you a white man. Yeah. And I'm going to ask you to stop calling me a black man. I know you as Mike Wallace. Oh, you know me How as beautiful. Years ago. Black. How amazing. But, but, you see, but, but here's all it is. There's, there's, there's AI technology that you can take different speeches and put it there and see which one has a higher level of consciousness. Mm -hmm. Okay. This one's going to get such a higher level of consciousness <laughs> of a score than Charlemagne's. Of course. Because Charlemagne's is continuing the problem and Morgan Freeman is trying to move away from the problem. Exactly. Making progress. Tom, how do you process this yourself? I process this, you know, every now and then great writers get it right. And Cameron Crowe wrote a, a movie called Almost Famous. And in the movie, there's just this clear scene that depicts the real need to have something to, to leverage your argument about. And something had happened to the band, and he said, no, 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 you need this situation. This situation gives you permission to say everything you want to say. And without this situation, we just have to talk. And that's what Morgan Freeman that. is saying here. Yeah. He's saying, you need this. It lets you say everything you want to say. It gives you permission to stay mad. It gives you permission to not accept a solution that may be good for you because this, by the situation, if you refuse the solution, you get to stay mad. And if you stay mad, you get stuff. And so I think there's a lot of core human truth in what Morgan Freeman said. And I, I respect the hell out of him for saying it. Yeah. To me, uh, common sense, unity is what we need today, not divisiveness, division. Mm -hmm. When Bill Maher and I was on the show two days ago, and, and he said, I believe Newsom is a winner. And by the way, when you guys watch this, when it comes out, you're going to think two people who have a hard time being in the same room together. It was very awkward. You'll see it. What's You'll the name it. of it? What's the name of the? Uh, I don't know. What the, what's Club Randall. Club, Club Randall. And by the way, he does a lot of good stuff. But he was smoking weed. He smoked a couple. Doing his thing. And I'm sitting there, and we're having a conversation. His team was world class. Actually, people were very, very, very good people, nice, respectful. When we spoke, it was kind of weird, and uh, the audience would make a decision for themselves. But he said... Um, I think uh, Newsom's a winner. And I said, based on what? He says, I don't know. He's just a good politician. He gives me vibes of winner. 
And I said, uh, based on what though? Give me data. I said, ah, I, don't, I don't know. I just, meaning, we need data. We need facts. We need results. You know, who is doing a good job with numbers? Who's not? Who's losing people? Who's gaining people? Why? Who has more crime? Who has more homelessness? Why? Who's losing more businesses? Why? Who's ruining Hollywood? Why? All these questions are why. And then let's stop being divisive and dividing each other against each other constantly. If we can get more reasonable people, and by the way, I wish Morgan Freeman would do more interviews. Yeah, he's getting. I wish Morgan Freeman would be out there talking more. But uh, we're coming to the end of the podcast here. I think you wanted to say something. I just want to. I mean, look, uh, the the key word that we've learned with influencers is influence, and I love my black friends out there. This is you know not taking shots, but when you when you it, it really depends on the influencers that you listen to if you're in the i'm listening to the charlemagne camp or the lebron camp or even the kanye camp you're gonna have a different mindset i wish that more of our friends out there would listen to the candace owens of the world the larry elders of the world the thomas souls of the world uh because there's a different perspective you know identity politics is real they expect all people to vote a certain way charlemagne the god is there anything more antithetical to the american dream as you as a black man who made it multimillionaire you should be praising america and say only in america like james brown used to say instead you want to perpetuate the victim culture and say how i made it in the most racist country in the world in my opinion go fuck yourself charlamagne the god holy moly okay sounds good all right so let's wrap this up guys with uh where we're at uh, again, uh, if you haven't yet ordered these Future Looks Bright hats and you believe Future does look bright because we definitely do today, merch drop, the uh, purple and gold uh, dedicated to the one and only Kobe. You purchase the hat and the shirt. You get to pick up an additional hat, whichever one of those colors, for free. Use the promo code PBD Podcast. Link's going to be below. QR code's going to be there. And Vinny's got a clip that's about to be released. Vinny, yep. 20 seconds. Tell it's us about United it. United Airlines. We got a video. United Airlines DEI hiring process. Rob, can you put in the chat and the description? Guys, if you want to see how United is hiring. We're releasing it right now? We're releasing it right okay. now. Fantastic. It's freaking crazy. Gang, have a great weekend. We will do this again next week. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.